I'm in Manhattan. No one's here. Title this, What It's Like to Live in Manhattan During the Apocalypse. No one's here. Ooh, there's a rat. They're still out. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to Is More Interesting Than Frankie Matos. I know it's a bit of an awkward name to say, but I polled a couple of my good friends about the name, and they thought that this phrasing sounded better than the old phrasing. That old phrasing, of course, was Frankie Matos is less interesting than... And then, of course, the name of the person I interview would fill in the blank. But I don't know. I guess it makes sense to phrase it this way, because this way, at least I'm not insinuating that the person I'm talking to is uninteresting and that I just happen to be less interesting than them. Uh, But instead, it's just that they happen to be more interesting than me. Um, I mean, it's a dumb joke either way, but self-deprecating humor is like part of my brand or whatever. So I figured that, you know, if I was going to have a podcast, it had to be titled reflecting that. Also, not even kidding. My first idea was Frankie Matos needs a friend, but obviously Conan O'Brien already took that one. But I swear I had the idea before I heard of his podcast. Uh, Not that that matters in a court of law. So yeah. Anyway, so this is a podcast where I, singer, songwriter, and producer Frankie Matos humble myself by talking to vastly more interesting people. Only today is different because there has been, for a while now, no way for me to get anyone in person with me to interview on account of the fact that there is a pandemic happening. I was about to say global pandemic. Of course, that is redundant. So I figured when life gives you lemons, you take phone calls from people instead. And, you know, I decided that I would just talk to some friends and ask them how the pandemic has affected them and the world around them. And some folks had some interesting things to say. You know, I wanted to check on my friends mentally and see if they were being forced to isolate and how that was affecting them, or if they were being forced to still work and how that was affecting them. You know, I was sort of pondering on whether the world's newfound germophobia is going to carry on past this epidemic, and if we were going to become a generation of people who are afraid to socialize for the next who knows how many years. You know, I know a lot of podcasts are having experts and doctors on, and I'm sure you can get plenty of that from the big names. So I just figured it would be nice to talk to some regular people and some of my small-time entertainment friends. I, of course, don't mean to insult any of my friends by saying small-time entertainers. I just mean that I don't really know anybody particularly famous or wealthy, but I find them all to be very talented and interesting people. And, you know, it's nice to hear from people who aren't just superstar musicians and athletes and people who can't afford to cancel all of their gigs and events. Of course, I just talked to, you know, my regular friends, too, who have nothing to do with the entertainment industry. I, you know, I really wanted this to be a documentary about the world right now and about what the world looks like for sort of my circle of people. And I thought hearing how my friends are dealing with this and knowing that you're not the only one going through what you're going through and maybe hearing how they're keeping positive might inspire some of you guys to stay positive. I will mention that these calls are a couple of weeks old now. This podcast was a bit of a beast to produce and edit because it was a lot of raw audio from phone calls. I mic'd myself on my end, but I plugged my phone right into my interface for the phone call audio. So it's a lot of awkward pauses and delays, which always comes with recording remotely. I had to edit out dropped audio and strange noises and all kinds of things that made it a little difficult. So it took quite a while to edit because it's a very long one. Um, These calls are all from the last week of March right up to the beginning of April. Not 
too much has changed since then. I mean, obviously the numbers of people affected has increased, but at least in in New York, which is sort of the United States epicenter of the pandemic right now, or at least the United States hotspot of the pandemic right now, everything, you know, the stay-at-home order had already happened, and the essential work only has been going on since before these phone calls are about right around the time of the phone calls first starting. So there haven't been too many significant developments. Of course, the if anybody mentions any dates or, you know, infection rates or death tolls, it's going to be different. But, you know, um, you should definitely stick around for the whole thing. I know it's long, but I talk to my entertainment friends, musicians, models, dancers. I talk to one of my favorite New York City comedians. Uh, I think she's the last call, so you'll want to stick around for that one for sure. And of course, I talk to my friends who have nothing to do with the entertainment industry. I talk to my friend who's a nanny. And I talk to people in different states. I talk to people in New York, people from New York City, from Long Island. Talk to a friend in Florida and in Nebraska. I, you know, I promise it stays interesting all the way through first friend I talked to was my friend Taylor. She is a transplant from Long Island to West Palm Beach, Florida. She's a dancer and an acrobat and is an incredibly social person. So here's my chat with my friend Taylor Capo. So you are my first and maybe only, we'll see, uh, Florida correspondent here. Yeah, yeah. It's been different down here. I bet. People are kind of mad at Florida right now, but I don't think it's really you guys they're mad at. They're mad at tourists down there. Are there? Are you guys still seeing a bunch of tourists and a bunch of stuff going on? Uh, I wouldn't say that I have personally seen any tourists. Um, I've seen a couple of people posting online that they were in Miami. But what I did experience that was pretty shocking, it was still pretty new that the coronavirus had come out. And my cousin had asked me to go day drinking on a rooftop bar on a Saturday. And I had already decided to quarantine myself for maybe only two days, but I had kind of made that decision. And when he invited me, I, I figured, well, it's not that serious yet. And, you know, I thought it was going to blow over. So, I mean, I took it seriously, but people were still kind of saying, oh, it's, it's not that bad. So when I had gone, what was so shocking was the, the bar was packed. Um, and you actually saw people. When was that? Uh, this was about a week ago. Okay. Maybe maybe last Saturday, not this past Saturday, but the last one. Okay. That makes um, sense. Yeah. So uh, the bar was called Spruzos. It's in West Palm Beach, Florida. And, um, you know, it's got a pool and it had a fire pit and a bar and just like I said, there was a lot of people there and it was pretty overwhelming. And I definitely had some anxiety and it was just interesting because you see people who are, are trying to take precaution and, um, they're sitting there with their drink and their hand sanitizer next to them. just out. <laughs> I, I love that. I loved how you see, cause I was still going to stuff. I yeah. was, I was at that open mic in Brooklyn that, right. that you came to the week before. So the week after that I was in, and that was the day that everybody found out that Tom Hanks had, I actually read that while I was at the coffee shop. And it was so funny cause every, all the stand up comedians are going up and they're making jokes about the coronavirus and everything. And then they go immediately into the back and wash their hands in the sink. People are just constantly going in the bathroom to wash their hands. 
and they're yeah. like sanitizing the mic or well, some people are just eating the mic like normal but it was just like oh no. i thought that was oh, so no. interesting because i'm like well you guys are out and about and talking to people so you know right <laughs> but i think i think it was that was just before everyone realized how serious it was exactly exactly so uh after that about maybe an hour in i took myself over to the other side of the pool where there wasn't anyone and i just sat by myself and enjoyed the view because what i would say is definitely changed with me and i find it really um strange because i don't usually have this discomfort this social discomfort and this social anxiety i find myself having small anxiety attacks when i do encounter people that i'm not familiar with yeah there is something sort of we've suddenly become incredibly terrified of strangers exactly because i just don't know who they've come in contact with and you start like looking at all of the little body language about them you're like does this guy look sick (laughs) right and you start judging people like you've never judged them before you're like you know oh this guy's got a little bit of a cough i wonder if it's the big one (laughs) yeah yeah it's definitely you feel differently towards strangers and you know a lot of people that i walk past in my neighborhood because i'm still taking walks because it's so nice out and and it's just so hard to stay indoors when you live in a place like this when it's just beautiful outside and sunny every day and it hasn't rained and it's so hard to keep yourself locked up indoors and what also was really concerning I think it wasn't that Saturday but maybe that Sunday uh, of last week I decided to go to the beach because I thought okay I can you know walk down the beach and segregate myself from the crowd right you figure there's probably going to be a lot of space and probably a lot of people are staying home anyway Exactly. That's what I thought. But when I got there, there is a bathroom restroom station as well as a shower station. And there was a large amount of people all on top of each other, like just people walking barefoot and using the showers. And I swear to you, I saw a woman changing her kid's diaper on like a thin towel on the sidewalk. I was honestly like I was having a chest. My chest was beating a little faster than normal. My breath was shorter and I just walked to the opposite side, like not even on the sidewalk just to to get away from the large groups of people. That's why in Florida, our beaches are now closed. You go to any beach and you see yellow caution tape and stop signs. Were those those infamous spring breakers that were visiting Florida and going on TV talking about how like oh you just got to live your life and like you know i'm young and i'm healthy you think it was those people or was it locals it was definitely both and by this point people were pretty confident that this was something not to be uh taken lightly i would totally yeah there was definitely a lot of news as well as posts on facebook about how you should stay indoors and keep away from large groups and people just weren't respecting that they closed down all the bars because there's a lot of bars down in west palm beach that are very popular But what I will say, which is great, is that the same owners own a lot of the very popular bars. And one of the bar, uh, well, maybe more diners that they own called Howley's was donating food for free to all of their employees that have been laid off, like their waitresses and their waiters and as well as chefs and things like that. So there is a lot of action to help those people. 
because a lot of people do make most of their living off of serving down here. And um, it's definitely scary for those people, I'm sure. Well, that's actually, I want to ask you about, um, and I can cut around this, but are you cool talking about any like the dancing and stuff you do on the podcast? Um, yeah. Uh, well, communities in general that I've spent a lot of time with are all staying away right now. So my acro yoga community that I have involved myself with have stopped meeting up as well as the pole dancing community. Um, the pole dancing community studio wise has shut down as well because they're unable to distance themselves from other people in a class setting. So right. I mean, you're all touching the same equipment and sweating mm-hmm. and Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're on the floor, whatever it is. So they have gone to virtual classes for now because they still need a a source of income to keep these studios open. Right. A lot of people doing virtual work now. Right. And I've, yes. So now going to that, I've noticed that a lot of adult entertainers have transitioned into virtual entertainment in order to make a living because it is just not safe. And I'm sure that those places are taking a huge hit as well, as well as all of those women who you know, make their living off of what they do and, and their entertainment. So I made a, a joke on Facebook. I said, I wonder how many people this pandemic has been the deciding factor for them to finally start their OnlyFans. Oh, absolutely. There's been a ton of people that I know from the community that have been using OnlyFans and I've definitely looked into it. But for me, it's not something that I I want to be involved in. I think I'm, I'm taking this time to heal uh, and remove any maybe not positive environmental situations or toxic people. I've decided to just embrace that I may not be making that much money right now, but that's okay. And hopefully with the government aid, as well as what my grandmother makes from social security, I think as long as I have a roof over my head, food on the table, a shower and a nice bed, I'm, I'm happy. So well, you're still sitting poolside and hanging out, right? Yeah, yeah. I see the Snapchats here. <laughs> you know, uh, here on Long Island, you know, we've had some nice, beautiful days, and I get to play outside with the dogs because my older brother's home, and so we've got all three of them here. But uh, I certainly wouldn't be—I uh, wouldn't say no to sitting poolside down in yeah <laughs> in it's Florida. Funny. It's funny. Are you still um? Are you still working retail? Do you still have that source of income, or have they shut down? The mall shut down. Uh, and what's oh, interesting? Yeah. What's interesting is that our store. Apple was the first to shut down and then Victoria's Secret stayed open for a couple of more days and then they shut down I think was it Wednesday? So like I had found out about it that weekend and then like it was either oh no I think it was Saturday that I had found out of last week that we were shutting down Victoria's Secret and no. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. They like originally changed it to where we were only going to be open from 10 to seven. And then I got a call from my manager saying, forget it. We're closing down altogether. And then that's when they said, you're going to get paid for whatever your schedule was the past two weeks. But unfortunately for me, I had taken the vacation. So 
I think I'm only going to be making maybe like a week and a half, two weeks max of, of pay. So unfortunately, I mean, I'm still lucky that I'm making something from Victoria's Secret and I'm sure that they're helping a lot of their employees. But for me, because I took that time off, it, it definitely put me in a little bit of a setback. But the mall closed down a week later. Now, is the government intervening with that? Because here in actually the whole tri-state area, it's all it's any non-essential employees have to stay home. Yeah. So yeah. Or is, is a lot of it elective down there or has the government stepped in? Um, that's a, as far as you know, that's a great question. Actually, I'm not 100 percent sure. I just know that malls shut down. And I mean, I went to Best Buy because I needed a charger for my laptop. I couldn't do any work. And Best Buy was open, which I thought was kind of strange because I don't know if you would consider that essential, but maybe entertainment wise, it's essential. Well, I think uh, especially with electronics, I think just a lot of things, a lot of commerce, uh, especially in the sort of retail zone is staying open. I'm not sure if Best Buys would be open around here. I know uh, the rent a car I work for is open, but they cut employees that were part time. So I, um, and then I was supposed to, so they put me on furlough. So I'm supposed to be able to collect unemployment, but I've tried the last two days and the, the New York state government website is just flooded with requests and it keeps timing out when I'm trying to do anything. Wow. And then their phone line is so full that they're not even putting people on hold. They're just saying try later. So wow. but luckily I was saving a bunch of money because I was, I, I had some projects lined up, but well, those are canceled. So now I've just got, <laughs> luckily I've got enough to survive my payments until things hopefully kick back into gear. Well, that's and, good. You know, that's they, they deferred a lot of the student loans in New York and maybe nationally. I'm not sure. But it's it's good that you're um, taking the time to be you know to 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 find some positive mental what is the word uh, uh, solace some some clarity some some time away from all of the hustle and bustle of right. the world I've, and the I've negativity that comes with it. it. I've been enjoying it, honestly. I mean, I get to spend time with my grandmother. I get to focus on things that I love. And just by believing that the universe will take care of me and that good things will happen, I've already noticed just by shifting my mental state that things have, have kind of come to me. And I, you know, I, I, this is just an interesting thing as well as I just went on Indeed and had sent out a random application and I had gotten a phone call because dispensaries are still essential businesses. It's like a pharmacy. Oh yeah, of course. And I think it's amazing. And they've been doing most things through the phone and through curbside pickup. But hey, uh, I might be lucky enough to have found a job that I can do for the who knows the next month because I think Victoria's Secret's going to be closed longer than we're anticipating. I would imagine so. I would imagine the whole mall is going to be closed for quite a while. Yeah, it's just because it's such a germy place. And even though we were Lysoling like crazy, people were stealing our hand sanitizer and um, just stealing our cleaning supplies. And there's only so much you can do with just people all in the same area because even if they're not touching stuff, they're still just breathing close to each other and right. close to the employees and close to you. And you don't want that. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm so glad you said that. That you've been enjoying yourself because I felt really guilty about enjoying myself because it's been the first vacation I've had really since yeah I don't know whatever the I mean I've never I haven't had a vacation in so long and I've been taking this time to like I finally started this podcast I've been meaning to do for like a year yeah and I've, I I finally I've been had you know I've had the chance to cook and work out yeah you know and play with that. the dogs and my brother came home at just the right time well just the wrong time to get stuck here but at least you know at least yeah. we got stuck together yeah. instead of apart so that's, that's beautiful 
people. And, you know, I will say one thing um, that I I definitely don't know when I'm going to see my parents or my siblings again, which I, I definitely am a little unnerved about. But the positive is that I've been spending this time really focusing on my grandmother's health as well as mine. And, you know, something that we did today was just take a drive. It's really good that she has you so that she doesn't have to go out on her own and go to grocery stores where it might be dangerous. And- exactly. Yeah, no, it's it's even I get anxious just walking into a grocery store now and I never had that feeling. Yeah, it might take a while for that to go away for the whole world, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a mind altering experience. This and it's history. This is this is history. This is like the (laughs) I already can see a change in people's mentality towards community and just in general being grateful for the smaller things. That's a beautiful note to go out on, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, thanks for taking my call, Taylor. I'm going to hopefully get a bunch of other folks to call in and get a bunch of perspectives. I'm so glad that you're doing this, Frankie. But I'm glad to have a positive one because a lot of people are sad. So it's nice to hear some happy. Yeah, I mean, I'll take any excuse to um, enjoy my free time. (laughs) That's what I love about you. (laughs) I just want to be happy. And each day just being more and more present has really affected my mental state and, and brought on some more good than bad. So that's really great. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'll chat with you more. Talk to you later, Taylor. Bye, Frankie. Bye-bye. The second person I talked to is my friend, Caitlin. I've known Caitlin since my second year of college. She graduated just before I, well, you know, dropped out of that same college. (laughs) She's been working as a nanny in Manhattan for a little while now. And I figured as someone who commutes from Queens to New York City and a childcare provider, she would have a particularly interesting insight on how this pandemic is affecting the city and people and children. I mean, literally for the duration of this call, she is walking the streets of Manhattan as they're barren and lifeless, and it's really interesting. Plus, she's my best friend, and I wanted to talk to her anyway. Funny enough, I once dated someone who told me that it was childish that I called her my best friend, but it's like, I don't know, it's a cruel world out there. You might as well have a best friend in it, right? I don't know. That's off topic. Anyway, here's my conversation with my best friend, Caitlin Houston. Okay, hi. Oh, I'm not interesting yet. Oh, already? We're already recording? All right, hi. I'm going to cut it all. Like, I I had like a 15-minute call with Taylor, and I'm just going to cut it all into something nice and short and sweet so I can fit a bunch of people in. Because even if I get it down to only 10 minutes, it's six people makes it an hour. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to keep it under two hours or split it into parts. Mm -hmm. But we can just chat about anything, and I'll cut out anything that you don't want to be podcasted. I just wanted to record just in case you say anything that's worth having down. Oh, you mean because I'm funny? I don't know. Or if you say something insightful about the current world situation, I don't know. No one's here. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> Title this, what it's like to live in Manhattan during the apocalypse. No one's here. <laughs> on foot, in car, on... <laughs> That's, that is that is interesting. Apparently Cuomo was talking about shutting down some of the streets and like blocking them off so that people could go out and walk and run and stuff so that they're not just stuck inside their house. I mean, yeah, like no one's on the sidewalk right now. I have one person on the block with me. Across the street, there are two more people off the end of the block. Like no one's here. That's interesting. I can't, I can't even, I mean, every time I've been to, I mean, you're in Manhattan. Yeah. I've been in like Brooklyn at night and seen nobody around, but 
you know, Manhattan, yeah, no matter I mean, what hour you're there, there's always people. Yeah, I've been here in the night and, you know, there's like no one around. But like even in the middle of the day, like I'm constantly crossing the street when it's not my light because there are no cars. It doesn't even matter. No one's here. No one's here. I think I think your audio is probably going to be the worst because you're outside. <laughs> oh yeah, I am outside. I could go back inside. No, that's okay. That it's going to be interesting. It'll keep the juices flowing so that it's obvious that these are all real phone calls. None of them staged. <laughs> yeah, no, I am. I am actively walking the streets of Manhattan. No one's out. The kids have been out of school forever. And oh my God, you should see the signs. That the, ooh, there's a rat. They're still out. Anyway, <laughs> you should see the signs that they have in the elevators in my kid's apartment. They ask you not to get within six feet of the staff. They're no longer allowed to get deliveries. Like the delivery men are no longer allowed to walk into the building. They have to like leave everything with the doormen and the doormen will put it in the elevator and you have to wait on your floor for the elevator door to open with your stuff inside of it. Yeah, that's so interesting. So you are, um, you're a nanny in Manhattan. That's what you are up to. Yes, that is true. I am normally and after school babysitter but it's kind of hard to do a job after school when there's no during school school canceled it's over they're doing remote learning now and yeah, for the first week of this whole corona crisis i was still commuting an hour and a half from queens to manhattan but it's terrifying it's absolutely terrifying um everyone is gloved and masked and they're sitting on like opposite ends of the train from each other like four people per train car people are letting other trains go and we'll wait for the next one <laughs> when's last time that you rode public transportation uh last thursday that was before all the non-essential businesses in new york were shut down yeah so it was before the non-essential businesses were closed but after schools were closed there was like this like week limbo well you were t- i was gonna say you were talking about moving in with with them anyway just because of the school thing yeah just because of the school thing i was already gonna stay with them you normally take uh, how much public transportation you normally take you said two buses on the subway one bus and two subways. And so did you notice progressively the amount of people on them just like dwindling? Oh, absolutely. On my bus, we normally have enough people that they're standing up by the end of the route. But honestly, I haven't had more than 10 people in any bus or any subway car with me at any given point, even the height of rush hour. Oh, but today I took my kid on a walk to and through Central Park and everyone was out. Like, I don't know if these people would normally be running through Central Park because they would normally be at work, so maybe that wouldn't have been an option. But I thought, considering the whole pandemic thing, we would have probably stayed home or at least further apart from each other. But no. Well, that's a big thing, I think, is um, with the nature stuff. I was reading that they were going to waive the fees for entering public parks in New York State so that people could be outdoors, you know, and still be far enough away from each other. So maybe that's a thing. Maybe Central Park is like a thing. But that seems like people might still be getting too close to each other. I don't know. Running in like herds, it seemed like. Mm, well, maybe some people just aren't listening. Well, yeah, but it's also we were right by the Jackie Kennedy Onassis Reservoir, which is like this beautiful, like huge circle of water with a fountain and a beautiful trail running along it. So I can imagine that maybe in other parts of the park, maybe people if they were like setting up picnics or just spots to sit, they would have been more spaced out. But I guess everyone assumes like when they're running, they're not in any one spot long enough for it to matter. Well, people aren't very smart. 
smart. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing that I've been learning from this pandemic is people will repeat a lot of the like sort of catchy phrases like the flatten the curve. But then they'll be like, they'll also say, yeah, it'll eradicate the virus. It's like, no, what flatten the curve literally means is that it spreads out the amount of time of the spread of the virus. It still means that people get it just not at the same time. And I don't blame people for not being, you know, freaking scientists, but it's still very interesting. The amount of people who think that they're doing the smart thing, but they're actually just making it worse for themselves. Oh, absolutely. The weird thing for me the last couple of days has been helping the kids do the online learning. It's been like a really tough transition for both the teachers and for the kids. Is it video classes or is it just like presentations that they have to kind of click through? Okay, so it's like all of the above. It's like all of the above. The teachers will sometimes host a live video meeting where they will like read the notes to the kids and give them assignments and try to have all the kids have a group discussion. This has happened more in the English class. ELA, English Language Arts. For that, they've been doing like read alouds and like workshop type stuff. But for math, the teacher just like videotapes herself doing an example on like a piece of printer paper and then uploads that video to the Google Classroom. And now the kid that you babysit is or nanny for is, is pretty young, right? He's nine. So how does he have any context for this? How's he taking it? He's a little worried about it. Not enough. He has a pretty easy time understanding the technology of the online learning. He doesn't quite have the ability to self-direct, and he's definitely suffering from the lack of guidance that would come with a classroom or a school schedule. His mom lets him stay in his pajamas all day. Right, yeah. Even I've been noticing that when I don't change into regular people clothes, I tend to sit in my room more instead of going outside with the dogs and, and such. Yeah, and I just feel like it feels like being home. He's like lounging on the couch with his legs out. We're trying to convince him to sit at the kitchen table. Sit up like you're in a desk and like look at the screen because this is classwork it'll be like you're in class and he lives with just the one parent right yeah so she still work she's working from home right now she works for a hospital but in the financial division so she doesn't actually need to be there right now that's good so do they feel generally pretty safe in the house it feels like a pretty safe environment for everybody yeah no one's worried that they're gonna get sick necessarily and even if they do get sick no one's worried that they're gonna be down for the count It'll mostly just be an inconvenience because once one of them gets it, everyone gets it. Right. So it's pretty chill there, which is, you know, just doing the schoolwork and, 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 and hanging around. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's, it's pretty chill. I mean, the kid has his regular behavioral problems, and they're only being amplified by the lack of structure in his life right now. And the, my attempts to give him structure, he's very um, resistant to. Does he hang around on the Internet? Is he old enough to kind of be on, like, smartphones and social media and stuff? He... Not really on social media. He watches a lot of YouTube videos, possibly for stuff that's a little older for him or a little more advanced in terms of the concepts, the language, the existential dread. Right. Well, that was a big thing I was going to say. I wonder how kids his age are taking this, you know, because a lot of people are say, throwing around words like apocalypse and, 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 you know, collapse of society. And as far as you can tell, does it seem to feel that way? I think he's sheltered from a lot of that. I don't think he recognizes it as that. I think this just looks like a really big flu to him. Mm. I don't think he gets it. What about his older brother? He's an older brother, right? Yeah, we're mostly just memeing about it. So spirits are pretty high. Yeah, no, spirits are pretty high. They're, they're getting a little antsy about their like lack of social life, you know, being all cooped up in the house and whatever. But That seems to be a big thing with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, no, they recognize it's like nothing they've ever experienced before. They've never had to be home for an extended period of time like this. Schools are canceled. 
And the mom and I keep trying to like emphasize that even in our time, we haven't experienced something like this. Yeah, I wonder what the world is going to be like for people his age, because this is probably going to be one of his first memories of a big catastrophe of like his version of like our 9-11, you know? It, oh, first, let me say that it is crazy that all three boys in that house have lived in Manhattan their whole life, but none of them were alive for 9-11. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like the oldest was born in 2002. They've all missed it. They have no idea what it used to look like before all that went down. They have no idea how much stuff changed as a result, like how much of an impact that had on the city. And the world, or especially the United States. Oh, absolutely. Because I was thinking, right, because for since then, I mean, our whole lives, at least everything I can remember has been painted with like this lens of, you know, see something, say something, watch out for terrorists, you know, airport security and general security, you know, all the officers in Manhattan carrying the machine guns. And now I wonder if for their generation, if their sort of mindfulness is going to be around like washing your hands and and, and how to stay healthy in public places and stuff like I, I just wonder if that's going to be their thing. I imagine it's going to be like that for everybody who's alive right now, is that we're going to be a lot of compulsive sort of germaphobe kind of people. I bet this is going to have a lasting impact. Oh, interesting. I disagree. I don't think people are going to change long term. I think this is going to blow over and we're mostly going to forget about it. Part of me kind of hopes so. But then they say that this is going to become a seasonal illness. And the idea is just to make sure that everybody isn't getting it at once. Interesting. So then I wonder if, especially because of this, especially for people our age who are like losing their jobs over this and everything. I wonder if we especially like people from like 20 to 40 are going to be compulsive germaphobe hand washers and raise their kids to always like wash their hands and carry hand sanitizer and stuff. I do think that things are going to change a lot for people in terms of their like financial awareness. Oh yeah, of course. I think that people are going to make a point to keep stuff in savings or get a job in an industry that this time around was deemed essential. Well, so many of us don't even have savings. I was lucky that I was planning on some big projects and potentially leaving my job anyway that I had money lying around, but I know a lot of people didn't have that. I was fortunate that I was uh, raised poor and any day could be a rainy day. <laughs> so I don't let myself enjoy things. I just hoard. Well, you're also someone who's very good and, and one of the reasons why we've gotten along so well since we've met is that we're both people who know how to deal without things and we're both people who know how to creatively make our own fun and find cheap food and find ways to, you know, stick through things. I mean, the amount of snowstorms that we hung out through together in college. I think that takes a certain special kind of person. I make this joke that I can make a meal out of anything. Not even in terms of cooking, but get me one sausage McGriddle. I'll eat the pancakes and the meat separately. It lasts like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. I, I think you're, you're really resilient, and that's why you're someone who I wanted to hear from about this, because I, I keep asking everyone I care about, just how are you, you know, trying to make sure that people don't have some big emotional thing to unload. And I mean, you're someone who definitely worries and gets existential, but if anybody can be tough through this and resilient through this, it's you. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to die. I don't think that my livelihood's in any jeopardy. Like I said, my boss is getting paid, so she's working from home, and she just wanted to ensure that I didn't lose my hours, and she was nice enough to let me move into her home. So my hours are fine. I've actually even picked up extra work because a lot of other people's full-time babysitters have quit on them because they can't make the commute anymore. So I have a family about 15 blocks from the house I'm staying at who could really use some help, and I've been getting in contact with me. I'll be starting with them tomorrow. So I'm very lucky in that regard because I know so many people have literally no money coming in. 
And I'm very curious to see how our politicians are going to respond to that, about how many people are out of money and out of work and out of security right now. Yeah, I was trying to call unemployment. Well, I was trying to use their website and it kept timing out because of too much traffic. So I tried to call and they didn't even put me on a hold. They were just like, please try calling back another time. They're like, our hold list is full. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. But at least I'm glad you have some work because for one, you're busy and for two, you got income, which is important. Yeah. Oh my God, my boss, I'm just like lingering around the house all day. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm working my set schedule, my set five hours a day, 25 hours a week. I feel like I'm passively co-parenting all day. You've become the nanny. You've become Franny the nanny. That's me? Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like I, I'm like, okay, here's your next task. Get started. And then I go fuck off on my phone for the next 30 minutes. Like, I don't feel overworked or anything. And she keeps saying, like, oh, take a break. Oh, just stop. Like, you don't have to keep doing things. Like, you've been working all day since 9 a.m. And I'm like, one, barely. Two, all of the bad parts of my job are over. Like, I don't have to take him on three different subways in 28 minutes to his therapist downtown anymore. And all the homework assignments, they're due at midnight. We start at 9 a.m. <laughs> Surely somewhere in all that time, we'll get it done. It's not like, oh, he doesn't come home from school until 2.40, sometimes 3.15 if he's got a piano class, sometimes 6 p.m. if he's got Hebrew school, sometimes 5.30, sometimes 6.30 if he's got social skills or theater lessons. You know, he's home all day. I'm not working against the schedule anymore. I'm glad I've got on a streak so far of talking to people who are feeling positive. And I don't know what order I'm going to edit everything into this. But a lot of people have been feeling really like their spirits a bit lifted from the whole thing. I mean, for me, this is like a vacation. Uh, other than the fact that I'm worried because my mom's a nurse and she's going into the hospital where they're more and more cramming people in there with the virus. And, and now she and my dad are both wearing those like really the fancy masks. Is Ariel still working at a hospital or she works for like a doctor's office or something? Hi, yeah, this is future Frankie just cutting in during editing to make this make sense. Ariel is the name of her sister who she shares an apartment with. She works for an endoscopy and colonoscopy clinic. She is probably not still working there. I think they're going to move her to the hospital. Oh, interesting. Is she cool with that? She'd prefer not to. She like hazard pay or something. It's not even about exposure to the virus. She just hates working in the hospital. Hiya, future me again, you can tell because my fan is on because I was too lazy to go and turn it off for this little insert. Um, so this call was different from the others because I was keeping her company while she was taking a walk. She didn't want to walk out alone. So we ended up chatting about a bunch of boring personal stuff that doesn't really make any sense or has nothing to do with the pandemic. So I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead to where we get back to the situation at hand. The last time that I was coming home from work, people were driving like maniacs, like they were going like 80 and just like and not even like you know usually you see like the kids and like the bmws or whatever you know the entry-level business guy who's in his 20s who just got his first beamer and he's driving like a maniac but it was like pickup trucks which i mean pickup trucks often drive but i mean like people were just like swerving and honking and like being i mean they were seriously acting like it was the end of the world and i mean people on long island it's no secret they drive like shit but it was like there was something different about it this inevitability of death situation. Like, we all feel like we're, like, helpless to this disease and we're going to catch it, and so it doesn't really matter, like, what we do. I also think some people are taking advantage of it because they're looking at it like, oh, well, the roads are empty, so, uh, you know, a lot of people think, oh, people are overreacting, this isn't a big deal, so then they're like, well, I'm just going to 
whatever, I'm going to drive like a crazy person because there's nobody on the road anyway. Yeah, almost like I'm entitled to this because I'm fearless. Yeah, a lot of people, especially in the music scene, were calling themselves brave or going out. And, you know, a lot of people saying the show must go on and we must have entertainment and we must not let this roll our lives. And that'd be one thing if it was like terrorism. But you're a shitty local band. And not even, it was a lot of like promoters and venue owners. And, and I, I mean, I remember right before they shut down all the bars, there was a picture posted. I won't name the venue. It was a picture on Facebook where they'd had a sign that was like, we are enacting a rule where everybody at our shows must continuously wash their hands and we're enforcing this. And I'm like, if everybody's in a crowded space, that's not going to help. And plus, everyone's going to keep touching the sink and and the, the soap dispenser. And it's like, I, I get people are trying, but some people aren't authorities on this and they think they are. They're like, oh, we're just going to make everybody hand sanitize on the way in. And anybody who coughs immediately has to leave. Like that was like uh, my little brother's gym had a, a sign because I still had them on Instagram. No. Well, no, it's literally, they were like, if we see anybody showing signs of being sick, they'll be kicked out of the class and sent to go home. And it's like, at that point, the damage is already done, man. They were sick in your class. It's over. Yeah. I admire the effort. I feel like we've never experienced anything like this before. And there's a lot of, like, misinformation and just confusion and fear. Oh, yeah. I don't blame people for not knowing or understanding. I mean, I've had a nurse as a mother all my life. And I'm, you know, I'm an incredibly anxious person. So, I mean, immediately, the first time I heard of this virus in Wuhan before there was even any idea that it was coming here. I mean, literally in 2019, I started looking up what a coronavirus is. And that's how I knew it was like a family of viruses. And so when people were saying the capital C coronavirus, I was like, no, that's not what this is. This is a coronavirus. But not everybody's like me and goes and, you know, spends hours meticulously researching every little thing that scares them. So a lot of people are just like, oh, it's a sickness. Well, we'll just make everybody wash their hands. And if anyone's coughing, we'll just send them home. It's like, dude, it's not like that. It's not how it works. I wish it's how it works. I wish it was that easy. I wish it was like, just wash your hands and you'll be fine. But that's, that's ambitious. Dude, the 7-Elevens in my town are still packed. I mean, I went out to grab some oranges from Tiroza and uh, I passed by the 7-Eleven and it was like parking lot not only like it's usually full and when it gets full like people park just in not spots like they just find somewhere away from the cars and like park by like a pole or something and it was like that and i get that it's like okay well some people don't want to go to the big grocery store but it's like it's a small store and there's like 10 of you in there yeah absolutely i mean you still got to do what you got to do but like i don't know it seems like it's a lot of like pickup trucks and like work vans and things so it's probably people who are still working at their jobs so i don't blame them because when i was still working you know i would grab a gatorade or whatever from the 7-eleven but then I would rub it off with hand sanitizer before I drank from the spout or I'd take it home with me and then I'd wash it in the sink first. I mean, I, my mom always taught me to wash, like if you get like an Arizona can to wash it before you put your mouth on it, which makes total sense. But um, normally with bottles, I wouldn't bother. Hey, so last interjection here. Uh, this was a weird phone call because she was walking and talking and there was background noise and we went off on tangents just talking about personal stuff because I told her I was going to edit it anyway, so it didn't matter. So for whatever reason, I ended up not recording the end of the phone call, which I thought I did, but I don't have it. So there's no fun little, you know, goodbye, stay safe and all that. But trust me, I said it. <laughs> I didn't leave her hanging. Um, but that is the last bit I have recorded from that. We didn't say much more interesting anyway. So, yeah. Next, I talked to my friend Laura. 
I don't actually know Laura super well, but when I posted on Facebook looking for people who'd be interested in being on the special, she responded and was enthusiastic. So I, you know, I figured it would be interesting to hear from someone whose story I didn't already know super well, like I know my closer friends. And um, unfortunately, I completely dropped the ball on our original phone call and didn't arm the channels to record. So this is actually a redo, but it's interesting nonetheless. I made sure to hit the same points and try not to um, make it too awkward. <laughs> so stay tuned for for my friend, Laura Calandrino. Hello, Laura. Hi. Hi. So for the folks at home, I did not have our channels armed to record. I just had the master recorder on because the DAW I'm using crashed when I tried to open it. So I forgot to rearm the channel. So we are calling again. But this is good because now I know the points to hit yes. so that I can get a good, good answers from you. So when we were talking before, what you were saying is that you are in a graduate program at Stony Brook, which, um, uh, spoiler alert, everybody, I'm going to probably be talking to mostly people from Long Island, but that's one of the, probably the bigger, maybe the biggest university on Long Island besides maybe Hofstra, which I still think Stony Brook's bigger. And so it's interesting how all of the schools are dealing with this whole pandemic. And so you have been, you said, on extended spring break rather than being in online classes right now. Yep. So you are in what year of your graduate program? My first year. Your first year of it. Have you made a bunch of friends at your program? I have, and you know some of them. <laughs> Who do I know? You know Shelby. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. I, I, I adore her. I don't know her that well. Mostly social media and just a couple times I ran into her when I was going to Stony Brook. But yeah, she's wonderful. So it's interesting that they've got you guys on sort of an indefinite pause because for a lot of people, you know, they were told that they were either going to have their semester completely ended or they were going to have to do all of their classes online instead of being in the classroom. And, and it's good that it's only your first year because a lot of people are like seniors or whatever. And so they're feeling this huge loss. But it's so for you, it's been mostly um, mostly kind of for one unsure and for two, it's it doesn't seem like it's so dire of a situation in your case. Is that fair to say? I would think so, yes. I know a lot of professors have to shorten their syllabi now because they're not extending the semester. So they have to not only do that, but they have to learn how to use Zoom. And then we have to learn to use Zoom. And then that's what we're going to be doing for the rest of the semester. And it's like, wow, they really should have been trained on this earlier, but they're not. Yeah, I, that's one of the things that I've been hearing from people is this general idea of people saying, well, we're not, nobody's prepared for a giant emergency like this. And some people, they're saying it's crazy that they're not prepared for something like this. And then other people are saying, like, of course, they're not prepared. Who could expect this? So it's interesting to see how people are feeling about the way it's being handled leadership wise. Well, I think it's definitely hard to prepare when you're, you know, depending on like technology and the times and what you have, what limited resources you may have. And, you know, like Zoom, I've never even heard of Zoom until like, I think last semester. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever heard of it either. Exactly. I just found out how to use it um, the other day. <laughs> is it is it that they live stream classes while they're teaching them and like students can ask questions and such? I think so. Yeah. And I think they could even be recorded. And it's like, wow, I've never heard of this thing before. Something that somebody was well, a lot of people have been saying, actually, like I see it on social media as people are saying that this pandemic is showing just how much of our society can be lived strictly online, like how much people can work from home and how much people can do school from home. Because like I was seeing posts on, on Twitter of somebody uh, there 
there was this one, I think it was a woman was saying that she was uh, requesting because she's disabled. She was requesting to do her classes by Zoom uh, or, you know, whatever, by do, to, to be able to do online classes and that she was denied that. And she dropped out just before all of the schools closed and they started doing all of the classes online. And I was like, that is a little bit frustrating, right? Because they have the capacity to do it. But instead of doing it for, you know, one student with extenuating circumstances, they're just doing it for everybody because of the sort of crisis that's happening. So it's interesting. A lot of people are saying that this pandemic is showing how much of the rules that we make about stuff is like made up or at least arbitrary. Yeah, society is a construct. We create everything, literally everything. And but anyway, that's another thing, I think. (laughs) That's another topic for another day. So we also uh, said that, so you do, you um, are in the art scene. And so one of the major ways that you would be spending your time is, is being a model and doing photo shoots, right? Yep. So have you felt sort of isolated, not being able to do that? I have. I got really into them lately, uh, especially now that I'm home from New Paltz. I've just done so many things on Long Island that I was missing out on and I was just getting into it. You know, this is finally my first year back and now I'm missing everything. Yeah, that's a big thing that a lot of people are saying is they feel like they're missing out on everything. But on the flip side of that, it's like nothing's happening to miss out on. So it's a very strange sort of dichotomy there. Exactly. So how are you keeping busy? Doing quite a few things. Uh, Reading books, watching TV, playing games, cleaning, a lot of cleaning. (laughs) Yeah, you said on our last call that you were making messes just so that you'd have something to clean. (laughs) Oh, and I find that so funny. That. <laughs> yeah, I wish I would have recorded the first time, but I'm an idiot. <laughs> and then um, you were also driving to the beach with your mom. Yep, it was cruel. We had to just watch people from a distance having fun, knowing that we couldn't do it, but also being frustrated with them because they're part of the reason we're still stuck in quarantine. Yeah, it's a little bit frustrating to see people not following the rules because on one hand, you're like, I'm jealous of the fun you're having. And on the other hand, you're like, but you're also making it so that we have to be in this situation longer. Exactly. But I was seeing like, apparently they're waiving fees for the public parks so that people can go out and get some fresh air without having to be taxed for it. But then it's also a matter of like, well, how are you going to make sure all those people stay far enough apart? I mean, they're recommending people only go with like, you know, one or two of their immediate family, but. It's interesting to see because I've been mostly in the house since I was furloughed from my job. So it's interesting to note how many people are still going out because I haven't really taken any leisurely drives for myself. Mm. And so I haven't really seen it. Right. I mean, really, the only way I get out for fresh air is just my backyard. (laughs) So so my parents and I actually went outside tonight to just walk around the perimeter of the backyard. And that was our fresh air. (laughs) <laughs> and was that enjoyable? Does that does that feel like quality time with your family? Yeah, it was actually surprisingly nice. You know, we're a lot closer because, I mean, we, we're close in general. It's just a lot of times we don't have time to spend together because, you know, of college, of work, of rehearsals, of this, of that. So it is nice that we are getting closer. I mean, my mom works at home anyway, but my dad is stuck because he works for the town. So he's there. You know, and he's he's being exposed to people with Corona. My parents keep thinking I have it because I'm kind of sick. So, oh, my goodness. That's the big thing is everybody who has any symptom of anything. You're like, am I sick? I know I'm not going to be able to get tested anyway. So it's like there is that sort of nerve wracking 
bit to it. And then I, I, I feel you because my mom's a nurse and she's working at one of the biggest hospitals on the island just outside of the city. And, uh, you know, there's definitely that sort of fear. I mean, she's been wearing like the mask and everything, but it's definitely crazy. But mm-hmm. I was saying on, on our last call is that my older brother got stuck home because he was coming home for a doctor's visit. And then the whole quarantine sort of thing came upon us and he hasn't left yet because he doesn't want to bring it back upstate with him. So I've been sort of feeling that same thing of being like closer with my family as sort of like a, a blessing that, you know, I'm never home usually, but now I'm mm-hmm. I'm home all the time and with everybody. And for one thing, it's nice to spend time with each other. But then there's also this feeling that we're all on top of each other and sort of rationing resources so that nobody yeah. has to go out to the store. And, and, and so there's definitely a little bit of stress to that. But you would say mostly that you're keeping positive and just, you know, the challenge for you is keeping busy more than anything else? Uh, keeping busy, definitely a challenge. Uh, I'm staying positive for as long as I can. But once this hits like May, I might go a little crazy. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens anyway, because, you know, who knows how long they can keep everybody cooped up for. And, and maybe they'll know more about the virus. I mean, it's impossible to know. Yeah, but with luck... You know, maybe the warm weather will help things move along. Maybe people finally realize, hey, we actually have to stay inside for this thing to work, you know? Yeah. But I better not have everyone stuck inside when it's, you know, nice and warm. Yeah, right. I want to be outside. I need to be outside. Well, at least you got the backyard. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to have gotten your input. It was really nice chatting with you. You too. And you're right. We should hang out again soon. We should. All right. Well, stay safe and stay sane. You too. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Next, I talked to my friend Ronnie. He's definitely one of the more interesting friends I met in the last year. He's a singer-songwriter like myself and a fellow huge fan of Weird Al Yankovic. (laughs) He's also worked for Disney World. He's just a really neat guy. Um, We talked about the way live stream concerts have taken over musicians' social medias. We talked about feeling guilty and afraid around our loved ones now that uh, the virus is around, especially when you're living with, you know, an older relative. You know, it's an interesting one. So here's my call with Ronnie Gross Jr., Oops, I forgot to record. Okay, well, we're on with Ronnie Gross Jr., and now we are recording. Hello. <laughs> hey, Frankie Matos. Let me see. I'm going to turn up my volume a little bit. Sorry, this is the first call from today's batch, so I said to reset everything. Uh, so, how you doing? Oh, you know, I just watched an entire Netflix game show in one day, so that's fun. Entire ne- Which one? It's a, uh, what do you call it? Um, Love is Blind? Is that the one? No. Oh, no, that's a reality show, I guess. I watched The Circle. The Cir- I've never heard of that one. Oh, my God. It was so good. So you're having uh, you're having some fun over there. I mean, I guess you could call it that. <laughs> now, you're way out east in, in Riverhead, yeah? Uh, uh, I'm a little more west of Riverhead. Right. I used to work in Riverhead. So for non-Long Island people, that's like out where the sort of part of Long Island that feels a lot like Queens starts to turn more into not quite the Hamptons yet, but, you know. It's it's deep. Yeah, it's it's like it's like it's like the more of like the forest, but like I don't know, it's it's like an urban forest area. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well, where I am, at least, no, like this is very small townville over here, but Riverhead is like that's what Long Island is, right? (laughs) Or what people what people think of Long Island? Pretty much, right? That is pretty much exactly what people think of when they think Long Island. Yeah. So I think you're actually the first active musician that I. 
I've spoken to, I think so far, I guess besides my episode with Karen Bella, but things have developed since then. So I guess I haven't really had the chance to talk to anybody about these sort of gig cancellations and the live streams and everything. Have you felt that sort of loss so far with this isolation? Oh, absolutely. Well, really, because we were going from like the winter time where like I didn't have so many gigs to begin with because it was the winter time and nobody's really paying for music. And then we started to get into the nicer, like the weather area of the year. Like, so like March, like I, I had a lot of gigs lined up, not a lot, but I had a couple of gigs lined up. And then the week before the virus like went into full effect, like when everything started to close down, like we started to have these questions, like, am I going to have to cancel some of these gigs? Cause I had a full week during my spring break where I had a gig every single day. Like I had a gig, like, like, like maybe like four or five gigs lined up. And then just one by one, they're like, no, we're canceling. No, we're canceling. No, we're canceling. And so after a while, it was just like, well, I had all this pent up energy because I haven't been gigging to begin with. And now I was supposed to. And now I'm not. So let's do the live stream thing. And now everybody's doing the live stream thing. Yeah, I remember I had my I was supposed to have my sort of first big headlining show at like a major club in Manhattan. That's right. On that Monday, which was literally if I would have played that gig, it would have been the last possible half hour slot for live music in New York City before all of the bars and music venues were closed by the oh, government. So was it I mean, like we a didn't 730 play. spot or something? Yeah, or? Well, yeah, well, it was supposed to be a seven o'clock gig, but the other guy was going to go first. So literally when I finished would be like would have been the moratorium on you it You would have been the last musician to play in, in New York City. Well, I'm sure I would have been the la- one of the last 100. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, it's true. So everybody's playing at the same time. But no, we canceled it. But I, the funny thing was that um, they called me during the day and they asked me if I wanted to do a live stream because uh, it's so funny because I think everybody had the idea for these live stream concerts. But everybody thought that they were the only one. <laughs> yeah, because everybody's like, you've got like News Twelve coming and talking to some people, and you've got like a bunch of people saying, "So we had this idea that, well, if you can't come to the music, we'll bring it to you." And it's like everybody had that idea at the same time. And so when they told when I when I was you know going on Facebook to like let everyone know it was going to happen, there was a hundred people, and they're all dropping their Venmos or their Cash apps, and oh, yeah. and I didn't do any of that. I just went and did it for you know the promoter on their Facebook page because they were going to cover the cost of the venue and I'd very much like for them to do that again if we reschedule so I was like whatever but I I thought that was so interesting because everybody's live streaming like crazy right now yeah, I mean, like that, like that's the crazy thing, and like, I kind of noticed it like fairly soon into the quarantine because they, in the very beginning, everybody did the live stream, and I was like, okay, yeah, like just everyone's just getting it out because like it's just something to do, something to get uh, everyone's mind off of like what's going on. Like it'll be it'll be a fun thing to do, and then it just kept happening and happening and happening, and then people thought, well, I'm not making any money, so maybe I can throw out my Venmo or my Cash app, and I'm like, nobody's getting, no one's bringing in any money what's gonna make you think that i'm that somebody's gonna venmo you well you know there's a lot of people i think people especially who play a lot of the nicer restaurants and bars have followers who are like you know wealthier often older people who have probably jobs where they can still work from home and aren't feeling the hit too hard that's very true you know so there's definitely people but i definitely as a musician it's like i'm definitely not in any position to venmo anybody right now i'm not in any position i just stole like four scratch-off tickets from my grandma and got forty (laughs) dollars I'm in, and I, I think that's a like a huge pull. That's a, like I, no, you have forty dollars. Thirty eight dollars from stolen scratch offs from my grandmother. Like, 
I, yeah, I got a tip from a customer at my on my last day of work before they um, put really? me on furlough. And it, normally we're not supposed to take tips, but my manager was like, just take it. And uh, yeah, because you're going to need it for a while. But the, but the thing was, usually people give, you know, like whatever change they've got lying around or like a buck or two. And they'll be like, get yourself a coffee. This guy gave me like 30 bucks because I helped him wow. fill up a flat tire. Wow. But like he was like wearing a medical mask and I'm like, oh, my God, everybody's just paying guilt money because they're like, I don't know if I'm sick. I don't know if you're sick. So it's just, it was definitely getting, you know, I've been feeling like uh, I'm on vacation since I've been home because it was getting so insanely stressful out there oh, that I'm almost glad to not be doing anything. I'm at, I'm at that point, like in, I'm at like in the middle point right now because I'm I'm still going to school, and so school I, I the I go to Suffolk County Community College and they shut down everything, and then spring break happened, and then they, in the middle of spring break they said, uh, you're gonna have an extra week of spring break, have fun, and we're like, yeah, I've been hearing that from everyone who goes to the SUNYs. Like a lot of my friends who go to different schools, they just either completely outright ended the semester or they are doing online classes. But from what I've heard from people who go to SUNYs or, you know, like the community colleges on Long Island is that they're extending spring break until they can figure out what to do. Well, this this we're, we're almost at the end of the second week of spring break. So now I'm starting to get emails from professors and they're like, yeah, we're going to use Zoom and like FaceTime or whatever. Um, we'll still do classes as normal, but like we probably won't do every class or I don't know what their plan is. Can I ask what you're going for? Well, uh, I'm going. I'm going for music. So like, so that's, that's pretty hard to do remotely. Yeah, like I mean, like we. I have music theory and music history, like which is all just like that won't be terrible to do online. But then you have like oral training, like you have ear training, and then you have voice lessons, and you and thankfully I'm a vocal major. But like my friends who are like a percussionist, like like what is she supposed to do for her juries or her recital at the end of the semester if she can't go in and then play the marimba? Like she's not gonna have a marimba line around at home yeah that's hard i wonder if they'd make exceptions for things like that for just like the student and the you know the professor or, or two professors for a jury and you know if they've got an auditorium they can sit apart or something but you never we know. have no idea i mean well because mm -hmm. we've been sitting around for two weeks now and then nobody's gotten back to us yeah it seems and it's a cliche word and it's thrown around but it's uh everything i guess since 2016 probably has been prescribed this word but unprecedented nobody really knows what to do oh absolutely this it, like this is the the first time that we've all like had to stay home probably since World War Two, like like we like our generation has no idea what to do. Thankfully, they're not asking us to go to war. They're just asking us to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Yeah, that was the big meme, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that like, but like that's it though. Like our generation is so social that this is driving us crazy. Well, you can't forget, we are also mostly friends with people who are very social, not only as a part of their recreational life, but also as a part of their professional life. I mean, I met you when you were hosting an open mic at a brewery. Right. So a lot of the people that we know, and I'm sure you know other people who aren't just in the art and music scene, but at least speaking personally, a lot of the people I know and a lot of our mutual friends their whole professional and personal slash social life are intertwined. So when they can't work, they also can't see anyone. And then also like it's, it's, it's a very different because a lot of the people I've talked to who aren't professional musicians aren't feeling like I was thinking everybody was feeling insanely depressed and lost. And a lot of people are, but so far I've 
talk to people who aren't professional musicians. And for the most part, a lot of people are just feeling like they're on vacation here. Yeah, uh, that's definitely the vibe that I'm getting from from some of like my friends and the people that I know. But like, like you're right, though, like our avenue of income, like our jobs, our uh, our hobbies, like most of our relationships come from the music that we play or the or the places that we work. And we are just such social people. And I mean, like for obviously for a good reason, they they said, like, stay home, self-isolate with self-quarantine. But it's just taking such a a huge toll on us mentally. I I mean, I can speak for myself. It's taking a a huge toll on me mentally. Just going from hanging out with people, going out to work, going out, playing, playing shows, talking to the people at at the shows or at the bar. And then just going from is going from that to nothing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's such a weird turn of events. And like the only people I, I can talk to are my parents, my sister and my grandma. Well, are you keeping connected to people with the internet, with phone calls, with anything? I mean, I have. I was doing a lot of like the live streaming on Instagram and had hopping on other people's live streams. And I think there was one day before they said like, do not go outside. Like I, a friend of mine was around the corner and he's like, do you want to go get a burger? And I'm like, please. Uh-huh. And, and at that point, it, all, it had only been like, like three or four days. And I was like, I need to talk to somebody. Yeah, the last time I saw a friend was right before my last day of work, or maybe like two days before that. So it was only a couple of days before they issued the announcement that was like all non-essential workers stay home. So technically there was still a little gray area where it's like, well, I'm only going to see one person and she doesn't live with anybody who's vulnerable. And But there's definitely some people out from, you know, I called my friend in Florida and she saw a lot of those spring breakers that were on TV for being stupid. And, oh, yeah. and a lot of locals still going out to the beach and going out. Uh, she's in West Palm. So a very social place. And now you've got Florida experience because you were just in, uh, in Disney World just uh, a little bit before this whole thing went down, right? Yeah, I think like like a week or no, like two weeks before everything went down. Um, I was in Florida. I was in Disney World like for a wedding and just hanging out because I, I have friends down there. I, I I still technically work at Disney and I I was I would hang out for the week and it was just a weird vibe. Like every, like it was still very crowded, but I feel like a lot of people were just trying to jam in this last trip to Disney before like they knew that everything was going to get shut down. Yeah, because people could feel it coming. You know, uh, people, you know, we've been hearing news at least from from the China front for months. And, you know, it was, of course, only a matter of time before it came here. I mean, I knew it and I don't even follow, you know, I wasn't following the craziness really that much until, uh, you know, admittedly and uh, a little bit slightly embarrassingly until Tom Hanks got sick. <laughs> that was when I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And uh, yeah, that, that was pretty recent. Yeah, that was only like two weeks ago. So I think a lot of people were like, I'm going to go do stuff before I can't. And then some people are also just ignorant. So it's interesting. It's interesting that the sort of feeling of dread has been slowly creeping in. And so that's why I wanted to ask all my friends, for one, because it's interesting, but mostly I really wanted to call everyone because I care about them. You know, how are you doing like mentally, not just from the isolation, but just from the feelings of stress of this whole situation? Do you feel at all, you know, how are you doing, I guess? <laughs> um, I'm doing 
as okay as I could be. I live with my 80 year old grandmother. Like she, we have, like she has her own little apartment connected to my house. And so in the, like kind of like in the beginning, like that's when people were sad, like had the, like the inklings of like, maybe we should start thinking about social distancing. Like maybe we should think about like, what are we going to do about testing? And so like, even from the very beginning, my parents were like, you cannot go outside. You cannot go meet up with anybody. Like, I don't care what anybody's doing. Like we, we have to stay safe because of my grandmother and then i think it was maybe a week ago we got an email from the school saying you have a class with a student that tested positive for coronavirus stay indoors do not go outside wait the 14 day quarantine period like we'll keep you updated blah 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 and now i have to go downstairs and tell my family hey I think I was exposed to the coronavirus. And then everyone kind of just stopped and looked at me. And my dad said, okay, um, go upstairs and I'll text you. I'm like, (laughs) okay. So like at that point, go upstairs, I'll bring the bubble. That's what I did for for at least a good week um, until like my 14 day period kind of passed. And uh, I luckily, thank God, I didn't develop any symptoms. Um, But that's not to say that I don't have the coronavirus because a lot of people, Idris Elba, like he he didn't have any symptoms and he was tested positive for coronavirus. Yeah, that's the scary thing, isn't it? But that's also, see, I can relate, right? Because my grandmother, who's also 80 years old, stays with us. And my mom's a nurse at one of the biggest hospitals on Long Island. And I'm working for a rental car agency. So I'm basically, and I clean the cars and I drive customers around. So I'm basically stuck in a box with strangers and then cleaning up their germs from the steering wheel on the inside of the car. And then I was, you know, before we realized that live music wasn't happening, I was going to open mics in the city for the weeks preceding what was supposed to be my show. And I was going to, you know, probably two or three open mics a week by the time that everything got crazy. And I was coming home to a little bit of sort of crooked eyes from my family looking at me like I was putting people in danger and I had this guilt. And so what I was doing for a while there... I was holed up in the house every time I wasn't going out to work just because I was like, I can't talk to her. I can't talk to my dad because my dad has MS and is in a wheelchair. So even now I feel a little bit better because at least my grandma's not staying with us. And of course I miss her like crazy, but I mean, she's only a little bit down the road with my aunt, but still it's like, it's the guilt of like, I'm not able to go see the people that I love and care about, even if they're literally down the road, but for their safety, I don't want to risk it. Yeah, I think that's been the hardest part for me. It's because, like, uh, otherwise it's been like a vacation. Then I'm, you know, I'm afraid my mom gets sick if she's at the hospital. And I'm afraid that, you know, one of us gets my dad sick. And I'm, you know, so it's like, you know, because they say, I mean, it's not necessarily the case because plenty of young people are getting very sick and need to go to the hospital. But it's like, I'm almost less worried for myself. I don't know. I feel a little bit less of that guilt now, but that's definitely going to be a thing for a really long time, I think, because they're going to probably put us back to work. But then, you know, now I'm always going to be wondering until, you know, people stop talking about this completely is like every time I see my grandmother, I'm like, am I going to, you know, accidentally kill her? Sure. Uh, I was talking to my father about this the other day. I was asking him, like, when do you think this is all going to go away? And he said, I don't think this is going to go away. I think this is just something that we're going to have to 
deal with and that we have something we're going to have to live with from now on kind of like the flu or like when we go get like a tetanus shot or the the measles or the mumps like it's just going to be another vaccine that we're going to have to vaccinate please vaccinate your children Um, yeah oh my goodness but it's just gonna be another vaccination that we're going to have to get like okay here's the COVID-19 vaccination along with your measles and your mumps yeah Um, and probably boosters and stuff something like that just because we've got it's gotten to the point where it's so in it's just it's everywhere yeah and you know i mean that's what happens you know evolution new diseases pop up and then old ones die out so there's definitely hope there it's just the idea of like please don't all get it at the same time which is kind of what's happening right now but we were not prepared whatsoever yeah but who could ever be prepared part of me wants to yell and scream at the people in charge and obviously the one particular avatar of all of that donald (laughs) trump is sort of pretty easy to be angry at because he's just generally constantly committing egregious acts against (laughs) the people that he is supposed to be taking care of but it's like even a perfect ideal you know godly president wouldn't be completely prepared for this i mean there's no way so uh, it's one of those things where i just wish that people i mean of course people are going to argue over the best way to handle it but the idea that anybody's responsible for creating it is so dumb no it's 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 definitely like it's it's definitely um like nobody created this monster we just weren't prepared to to handle it well, of course, I suppose there's the theory it's a bioweapon, but <laughs> this I, isn't I a was, conspiracy. I was cast. talking to somebody, and I, I won't say who, um, but somebody very close to me, and they were they started spouting out all of these like conspiracy theories about how, how about about how coronavirus was like this bioengineered like thing like by the Chinese, and I was like. What are you talking about? Like that? Just 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 listen to yourself talk. <laughs> yeah, you know, I they, I find it hard to believe that a country would topple its own economy just to hurt really? other countries as well. Seems kind of seems a little bit it's nuts. So but nuts. I mean, crazier conspiracies have been true. But you know, uh, all that's you know, you're not going to be the guy to find out. Not not you specifically, but every Joe Reddit who's just <laughs> hopping on r slash conspiracy talking about it, you know. But uh, I'm trying to think. Anything else? Well, you're the first person I've talked to, I think, with anything to plug. Um, of course, there's no gigs, but we can find you on Spotify. This is the famous Ronnie Gross Jr. But how about any um, any live streams or anything? Um, no, I think I'm all live streamed out. Honestly, I, I felt the same. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it might be a while before I do another one, um, but definitely follow like follow me on Instagram and Twitter, and and now TikTok. Ooh. I've I've, take, I've taken up TikTok. Joining the Zoomers. I'm I'm, I'm yeah. Uh, no, but like my handles are generally just Ronnie Gross Jr. My EP on Spotify is the old and the new. Go stream that. Support artists during this horrible time. Support artists. I mean, if you got a buck that you could Venmo an artist, I'll take a buck, whatever, man. But please keep your money. Please wash your hands. Please stay safe. Wash, like, wash your grandma. Like, <laughs> I just, just... Stay safe and stay sane. That's a big yeah, part of no, it. Yeah, no, find little things to do every day. Like, that's that's the only thing I've been trying to do. I've been waking up at noon every day, which is terrible. So please don't do that. Nah, um, yeah, I've, I've got to get out of that the last two yeah. days. No, oh, it's awful. But, yeah, that's all I got, man. Thank you for taking my call, Ronnie Gross Jr. Absolutely, Frankie Matos. Please stay safe out there. Uh, you too, bud. Next, I took a call from my friend Chris. 
Chris is a friend from college, and he's one of the funniest people I've ever met, although it doesn't really come through in this more serious call. We talked about the similarities and differences between the effects of and response to the pandemic between Long Island, which is where I live and where we both went to school, and Omaha, Nebraska, which is where Chris lives and works now. So without further ado, here is my call with Chris Subinrao. Hey, how's it going? Hello, hi, how are you? Doing well. It's been it's been too long. Yes, it all it's always too long, isn't it? Yeah, I know. How's Omaha? It's good. Um we're just trying to figure out a way to kind of get through this weird world that we live in right now. Yeah, how's uh how's that affecting an area like Omaha because I don't know much about it given I've never been you know anywhere but <laughs> but it's um I assume it's a less dense than obviously New York City and and um, even Long Island Ooh. is that fair to say yeah yeah it's definitely less dense um, Omaha itself is pretty big though it it has uh, about five five hundred thousand people or so, and then I think across Nebraska I think if I remember correctly I think it's like four million hmm. so it's definitely, you know, one of the least least populated states, but um, it's definitely got that sort of like if someone says Nebraska, that's like the stereotype is like, you know, uh, empty kind of middle of nowhere, which is not me. fair. But, you know, <laughs> that's why I'm like, right, I want right. to ask. I'm like, is it is it more dense than people give it credit for? Oh, 100, 100 percent. Like certainly downtown and in Midtown, there's a lot of people walking around. And typically, I was anyway, about to say, are maybe, not, still? maybe not, maybe not. No, no. Uh, it's it's weird. It's kind of like a ghost town. You have less cars and stuff on the roads and less people. Actually, funny enough, I saw a picture one day of we have this we have this market kind of thing downtown. It's called Old Market. And uh, it's kind of like a historic district where the roads are still, you know, paved with brick and stuff. And there was someone that had parked their truck there. And in the back of the truck, they had set up a table and were literally eating dinner at a table that was you know by candlelight hmm. legitimately outside it was just kind of weird to see that and that's something that doesn't usually happen you think that's a, a pandemic thing yeah it was just weird because i mean there's no one else around and you just see this it's like iconic picture honestly it just felt like an iconic picture just to see like no one around and then just parked in the parking lot there's this truck that just has two people kind of eating dinner outside of a restaurant that they would have been at had it been open but it wasn't open see that is really interesting yeah it's weird to see all the ways that people are trying to still sort of have their cake and eat it too with this whole thing sure because people are you know they they know that they're supposed to be socially distancing, mm -hmm. but then especially on, on here on Long Island, you've got people who are going to all the public parks, which I think they're encouraging by making, if I'm not wrong, I think I read that they're taking away like the uh, fee to get in so that people can get out and walk around. But then it's like, you see people going with uh, like a bunch of friends or something. And it's like, it's interesting because there's a sort of fine line you have to walk. I, I admire that couple. That's like, you know, I imagine a story where it's like, this is the restaurant where we met and like, maybe it's their anniversary. And it's like, well, we can at least have, you know, dinner by candlelight if we sit out side i mean maybe i'm ascribing too much sentimentalism to it but that's pretty no no that's exactly what i think too it probably has some sort of relationship like that yeah but yeah i'm, I'm same same thing i mean i've been trying to keep busy either staying at home or we actually have a couple of like greenhouses that are open that are just filled with plants and stuff and that's something that i like to do so it i mean that that's a good it's a good escape place where it's not so busy but also you know you get to kind of half be outside and half be inside kind of yeah, a thing people are sort of, i think that's sort of the way that people are looking for things is it's like i'm outside and i'm separate from people but there's still people around so i don't feel like i'm <laughs> suddenly the last man on earth right but it is safe 
safe to say that Omaha is freaking out just as much as everyone else is? Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, um, Omaha, I'm pretty happy with what the government here has done, which, you know, I might not, <laughs> might not, coming, living in New York my whole life, I might not agree with everything that Nebraska government has to say, but surprisingly, they've been pretty good about containing, in my opinion, the virus. And at the very beginning, we saw, you know, places like New York City and San Francisco kind of start to become in, inundated with cases. And there was a point where we had about 15 cases in the county that makes up Omaha, and New York had not had a single case case yet. Wow. Or reported anyway. Right. And to this day, we have today anyway, uh, as of whatever, March 27th or whatever, we have less than 100 cases in the state. And New York, obviously, unfortunately, has had probably by the end of today, it'll be over 40,000. And yes, that, that is due to population density and stuff like that. But in general, I think we have been taking this very seriously just because of the way we are looking at other cities and stuff like that. And so everything has been closed off kind of early as a preventative measure. And honestly, I think it's done wonders. It's really, really slowed down, I think, the spread of the coronavirus here. Is that government enforced or is that the most places are doing that electively? Government enforced. Uh, We have a mandatory. Yeah, yeah. We have a mandatory uh, less than 10 people in one space type thing. Okay. yeah, I think that came from the federal area, that number 10, because I remember with New York, it was 50 for a while. Well, first it was like 250, Mm -hmm. then it was like 100, then it was 50. And this was all happening the day of what was going to be my first night headlining in in New York City. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I was watching that news super closely. Sure. Well, yeah, sorry. Sorry to hear that that kind of put a damper on things. Please. I'm just glad that everyone's safe. Or at least not, nobody's in danger because of me. Right, of course, sure. But now you, um, you're you a, um, a, a meteorologist for the government, right? Yeah, yeah. I work, well, I work kind of uh, alongside the government, but I'm not technically a government employee. Gotcha. Are you considered essential work then? You still go into work? Yep. Still going to work. Um, I'm mission essential, essentially. So that means that no matter what, I'm kind of forced to report to work. And I work on a military base, military installation, and they are taking it very seriously as well. They've closed down a couple of gates where normally people would be allowed into base. And we're starting to get uh, even questionnaires and stuff like that when we are arriving on base. You know, do you have any family members? that, you know, are you feeling well? Do you have any family members that you know of that have tested positive, all that kind of a thing? So Right. Now, I wonder how the people you're around are acting, because when I was still working for the rental car place that I, I well, now I'm on furlough from them. But when I was still there, mm-hmm. you know, we were getting people returning cars who tested positive for the virus and people, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was starting to get at first. People were kind of laughing about it a little bit, not really laughing about mm-hmm. it, but, you know, able to sort of take it as well. Here's the new thing that people are freaking out about. Sure. But then by the you know, by my last day, people were really at each other's throats and very much at the throats of like the administration, the people you know, in charge who we felt weren't maybe doing enough or weren't, you know, because who knows what to do in a time like this, because it's and I hate to keep using this word for everything in the last four or five years, but unprecedented. Yes. Yeah. So I wonder, are, are people that you work with still keeping calm and civil or do you feel like people are starting to get stressed out and at each other's throats a bit? Um, there's there's definitely some sort of sense of concern, especially with our administration at work. You know, we're on minimum manning and we're actually even now even going a step further than that. And we're implementing these teams 
rooms where you are only for the next whatever, two or three months or even more than that, you're only working with one other person. So you're the second person I've talked to who said that. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that's, it's a good move. It's a good move because if one person out of the pair gets sick, they pull the pair out of work completely, then they can, you know, easily be replaced. But essentially, you have minimum contact with every other coworker. And, you know, and, and there's all these other measures, you know, we spray and wipe everything, you know, all of our equipment down, our mon- computer monitors and phones and desks and everything. So I think we're being just as proactive as we possibly can be at this point. Yeah, it sounds a lot more competent than where I was working. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it has to be just because we've seen um, and, and certainly so funny enough, Nebraska Medicine, this is really what I wanted to say at some point, uh, Nebraska Medicine has been really, really good so far in terms of containing the virus. They actually, back when Ebola got started, University of, you know, we have kind of what like Stony Brook has, where there's a medical center that's kind of half owned by the state and half owned by the university. So essentially, it's just like Stony Brook University's hospital. People from outside can go visit Nebraska Medicine's hospital and stuff if they need, you know, cancer care or some sort of major surgery or something like that. So long story short, back when Ebola was found out about, they did a biohazard decontamination area in the hospital. And so a lot of these diseases, even swine flu and stuff like that, when all that started happening, Nebraska medicine has kind of made this biocontainment area larger and larger in their hospital and they filled it to the brim with all these infectious disease experts and stuff like that. So they're really kind of keeping a very close eye on the way things develop here and keeping a close eye on patients that come down with it and stuff here. So I think we're well equipped compared to the rest of the country, perhaps. Maybe not so much for testing. I, I know that the state is having trouble getting the reagents that you need to, you know, essentially test for the virus. But Right. Well, I think everybody going. I mean, even the places that really, really need tests don't have them. And I mean, that's one of the big things is uh, I hear a lot of people saying that they're sick and that they want to get tested for this thing, but Mm -hmm. they don't have anywhere to do it. And then every time they call their their doctor's office, they're saying, hey, even if you have it, unless you start feeling like emergency symptoms, just hang around at home. Right. So it's definitely one of those things where it's like you see the number in New York, especially you see it as like whatever it is going to be probably 40,000 by the end of the day or the end of the. Sure. It's probably more like 100. Yeah. 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 You're probably right. (laughs) Well, maybe more. I mean, I've got no sense of epidemiology or anything like that. I mean, I'm dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing here. I'm just the coffee boy. See, it's funny because I I like the way I'm hearing some people say that their offices and where they work are being handled well, because it was I mean, it was so wildly chaotic where I was working. I mean, we were a big thing we do is we do ride backs for customers Mm -hmm. so they don't and we pick them up from their houses so that they don't have to get a taxi if they don't have a car. And like by the end of it, I mean, they finally said no more ride backs like we were just going to deliver cars to people. But like two days before that, they were like, well, now we can ask customers if they've been feeling sick. I'm like, oh, really? So the only thing between them and their free ride home is a lie. Right, right. <laughs> the yeah, only, the only difference between them shelling out 20 bucks for an Uber and zero dollars for one of us to drive them in an enclosed space is lying whether they've been sick or in contact with someone who's been sick. Right. I mean, I thought it was crazy. And there's like, uh, there was one co-worker who was wearing gloves all day but the thing about disposable gloves is if you don't dispose of them then it's just basically rubber unwashed hands that you're touching everything with sure and so then he was wasting hand sanitizer on the gloves oh man so by the last couple days i was there there was a giant thing of hand sanitizer in the break room that was labeled bleach but it still had a it still had a hand pump on it so it was obviously not bleach right but they said no he's believed it we just told him it was bleach and he hasn't been putting it on his hands you're, you're it's hilarious you're seeing some interesting 
interesting things about human nature and stuff. Like in our office, we have a hand sanitizer pump that someone pulled out from like 2001 or something. And people are like questioning like, hey, you know, does this, does, is all the alcohol like evaporated out of this thing? You know, does this, is this yeah, even... You gotta wonder how long that keeps. Yeah, right. Exactly. And then people are asking what percent all of these hand sanitizers are. Right, They're like, right. uh, is this above 65% alcohol? Right. Like, oh, I don't know. It's from the dollar store. Probably not. <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's definitely getting that's the biggest thing I've wanted to check up on with with people is is wondering how much more stressful their worlds have become because on Long Island everyone I know is just going you know when mm-hmm. the people who still had to work I mean this is my let's see what's today Friday I guess this is my 6th day without work Mm. so it's been about a week for me and i know that i was feeling incredibly stressed while i was still working and then i know a lot of people who are both going crazy because they're isolated and going crazy because their work situation is only getting more stressful but it's good to hear that at least some of my friends are keeping in places where their management and leadership are taking care of them or at least doing things that make it feel safer yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm, me personally, I'm lucky that I'm uh, I'm lucky that I have a job that is kind of semi unaffected by this. I mean, certainly day to day life has changed at the office, and yeah, it feels like the rules are changing every day. They send out a new schedule, and just like you said, with your office, you know, uh, one day they say this, and another day they say this. I mean, it's it, that's how the the rules kind of have to change based on kind of how this thing develops. But uh, yeah, I think in general, I'm I'm just really grateful to kind of have a job at this point, just because I know that there are a lot of people out there that are kind of even people in my own apartment complex that I live in. Sure, surely there are people that maybe not have been laid off, but their job depends on uh, on the industry, you know, of, of people being available to to, you know, buy their goods or whatever, you know. Right. Of course. Yeah. The whole idea of like, is this a recession or is this just a uh, sure. sort of more like a natural disaster right. where the economy freezes and then starts back up? Mm-hmm. Because it's hard because only part of the economy is frozen and yep. part of it is still trucking. So exactly. It's exactly. really interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I think. How are you feeling personally? Are you feeling stressed out? Are you feeling like this is the end of times or do you feel like this is just a disaster we have to get past? Um, I'm trying to stay on the positive side. Uh, You know, it hasn't been easy. I don't think it hasn't been ideal, but if you ask anyone that they're going to say the same thing, I think. Oh, of course it hasn't. Yeah. No, I don't think anyone say, well, no, this is the ideal situation (laughs) for me. Yeah, exactly. This is exactly what I pictured. This is what we wanted all along. This is my happy place. When people say, you know, just relax and go to your happy place. This is usually something like what I imagined. Exactly. Well, maybe for like super introverts who want to do nothing but stay in their apartment. Right. (laughs) Maybe they're like, this is my happy place. This is actually (laughs) the ideal situation. I have all the excuse I need to never leave. To never see anyone. Are you alone in your apartment? Do you have anybody who hangs around with you? No, not too much. Uh, You know, I have my girlfriend and all and I have my coworkers and stuff. So I'm trying to, you know, trying to stay positive and keep in contact with with people from home and stuff like that so that I'm not I'm personally not feeling alone. But it's funny, I did come down with some sort of respiratory uh, sickness you know, prior to the big outbreak in the U.S. and I wasn't able to be tested for it. So I had the fever, I had a cough and my chest was kind of bothering me. It was kind of felt like someone was kind of pressing on my chest and stuff. So, right. Those are those things where it's like, it could, could have been, you know, just a standard flu, respiratory yeah. infection or who, yep. who knows, you know, cause yeah. people, you know, I mean the first day that somebody in Wuhan, China was tested with the, the virus, uh, you know, somebody they'd been in contact with could have flown to whatever, to sure. New York, to California, and then sure. somebody could have driven to Omaha. It's like, sure. 
Exactly. You know, so it's impossible to know. Yeah, and I exactly. imagine like five years from now, everybody's going to be like, did you ever have, you know, coronavirus? And someone's going to be like, well, here's the thing. I never got tested by <laughs> That was a big thing with with the uh, swine flu in Florida because I I personally think I had it because around the time that all the schools were closing and it was a big deal, mm-hmm. I was I had the flu and I was sick for two weeks and at the height of it and I've had the flu before and I've never felt this but at the height of it I right. could not stand up I would get dizzy and fall down. Right, same thing, same thing with this kind of respiratory thing. I felt like I was kind of confined in my bed for probably a good three solid days, you know. Mm. Well, I'm glad um, you're feeling better now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Who knows? Who knows if I had it? I mean, I'm kind of hoping I did, right? Because then, you know, I hopefully wouldn't get it again. But who knows? We'll see. Who knows? Hopefully at least this flattening the curve, quote unquote, will give them time to learn about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I know there's been a lot of studies that have kind of are going forward, not only with just antiviral drugs and stuff and the vaccines, but also just taking standard medicines that we know of in combination with each other and stuff. But what's kind of dangerous, though, is the current administration kind of, you know, oh, God, yeah, it, it, the current administration kind of preaching to the choir about what people should do and stuff when one medicine might work for one person and not work for another person or, or might give them even worse symptoms. So it, it's just really important for people to listen to the officials that are in charge, you know, the doctors and kind of science. But it's also crazy because like and I don't you know, I, I don't stand to try and get too crazy political when I'm talking mm-hmm. to, to people because I don't want to insult anyone's sensibilities. Sure. But I think no matter what side of the aisle you're on listening to Donald Trump talk about this. Mm. I mean, it's like watching a fourth grader read a book report that someone else wrote for him, you know? Right, right. It's like you see him trying to pronounce these words, like when they're talking about those medicines that are good mm-hmm. for like rheumatoid arthritis sure. and uh, lupus that supposedly might treat this. And he's trying to pronounce the names of the drugs even. And it's like, I know these aren't your words. But right. meanwhile, he's putting his own opinion in this because he's like, oh, well, they're very powerful drugs. So mm-hmm. we'll see. It's like, yeah, with insane side effects. And now it's causing people to like get the drug that they don't even need and hoard it from people who have lupus and rheumatoid arthritis who need it and it's like oh my goodness it's just you know it's good to hear like the 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 actual knowledgeable officials like i forget the doctor's name that keeps talking on on tv but uh, you know just the fact that there's people in charge who are just so you know if i was the president and i was uneducated about medicine i would just let someone else do the talking sure sure Absolutely. And hopefully, God, hopefully everything's okay. It's good to hear that at least things seem relatively well managed where you are. That makes me feel good to know my friend is somewhat safe. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think I think at the moment things are things are okay. We just can't be complacent about it. Just because we have less than 100 cases here doesn't necessarily mean we should be freely walking around and stuff like that. No, oh, yeah, because that's how things grow exponentially. Yep, exactly. So we just have to remain not complacent and realize that this is going to be something that takes kind of hold on everybody's lives for the next probably six months or more, you know? Mm, yeah. But, uh, I hope things are okay with you personally and... Yeah, keeping keeping together. Got my own fears, but you know, at least being sure. out of work is something. So yeah, yeah. I hope I hope it's not you know crushing you too hard financially. I mean, well, I luckily um, I live with my parents still, so sure, sure. <laughs> For now, I just get a bit of a vacation. My mom's a nurse, so I've got a little bit of sort of fear about that. But sure, sure. Well, hopefully, hopefully, when this does pass over, you can come visit. You're always welcome here. And yeah, I was hoping I could have done it during the spring, but yeah, I know that's not happening now. Yeah. 
Oh, well. There's, no, there's not going to be anybody there to listen to you play. That's true. Well, even just but, to get out, you know. Sure, Something I've actually sure. been enjoying about this whole thing is that I haven't been expected to go play anywhere. So sort of that idea that I'm not sure. doing enough is like, well, there's nothing I can do. So it's been the first genuine vacation I've had since probably high school. Right, right. Yeah, that's good. I mean, if it stays like this for a bit, perhaps you'll probably end up, you know, in the shower one day thinking about, a lyric or something and then you're gonna end up writing a writing oh, another yeah. song or something well, i've been writing and editing things and i've been producing albums for two people so i still have work to do wow. so there's something good good you know there's I, I haven't been short of productive things to do which is probably why good. i haven't been feeling like i've been going crazy like everyone else feels like they have right but hey yeah. if you want someone to chat with anytime I'm yeah, uh, same, mostly just please. around the house anyway, so yeah, <laughs> if you same, feel lonely. Same thing here. I'll, I'm either, thank you, same to you. I mean, I'm, I'm either sleeping or at work or probably trying to just stay busy. Trying to stay off social media a little bit just because, uh, you know, I just think hearing the same thing over and over again is just, uh, it's not good for you, really. It's not good for the mind. Yeah, it can be overwhelming. Yeah, we know where it's going, you know? We kind of hearing the numbers every day rise. I mean, we know where it's going and we know what the ramifications are if we're not listening to the right people and we're not doing the right thing. But I don't think there's any value in hearing that the global global infection rate is now 500,000 and now 600,000 and 700,000. Who, who cares? I mean, and when I say that, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I'm, I'm saying people know that it's going to be increasing. You know, it shouldn't be news. It shouldn't. Uh, that's the expectation, in my yeah, opinion. And having that number counter just posted up on your wall all day and sure, watching it tick sure. away doesn't necessarily sure. help. It doesn't do anything for for the it doesn't do anything for the per. I mean, the person is going to be practicing. It's like, what am I going to am I going to go into another level of, you know, am I going to go into a deeper chamber of isolation because uh, the number has gone up 100,000? No, I mean, we're going to continue doing essentially the, the right things. And I don't know, it's it's not good, I think, for people to just be constantly exposed all day, 24 seven. And yeah, it's addictive, but good for you if you can manage to keep away from it. Yeah, I'm trying. It's it's not easy. You know, you get your news essentially from everywhere now, not only from the news itself, but from friends, from social media. You know, it's just kind of it's everywhere. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, I hope you stay safe and I hope you stay sane and uh, <laughs> chat with me anytime, really. Yeah, yeah, same to you, please. I hope you stay safe, too, and I'm uh, wishing good things for your mom, and I'm sure it's really not easy uh, being a nurse right now. Uh, There's a lot of, uh, I'm sure nurses themselves have a lot of anxiety about, you know, the future, the next couple of months, or potentially more. Mm. But, you know, I hope I hope everything goes well for her, and yeah, tell her tell her thank you for her service, because there's no shortage right now of people that need to be called on, essentially. I will tell her. I'm sure she remembers you, so... <laughs> Yeah, I'll, no, she I'll, definitely, I'll she definitely does. Yeah, you right, have an impression. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's funny. All righty. Uh, hopefully I'll talk to you again soon, right? Yeah, please do. Take care, man. All right. Same to you. I'll see you. See you. I talked to my friend and colleague and sometimes client, Anne O'Rourke, about what it's like to have gone from being a musician supported by multiple part-time jobs, which is something I can relate to, to finding ways to stay social, entertained, and productive during the pandemic. So here is my friend, the prolific and talented singer-songwriter, Anne O'Rourke. Hello, Anne O'Rourke. Hello, Frankie Matos. Hi, it is good to talk to you. It is good to talk to you, too. So, obviously, we are all being vastly affected by the crazy pandemic, isolation, social distancing, etc. But you are someone I really wanted to talk to 
because I have heard slash seen you saying that you are feeling particularly unhappy with the distancing and the isolation. I mean, it's not my favorite thing. Um, (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But I mean, I'm transitioning. I know that we know each other through the music scene and open mics, but my, uh, my day job is a music therapist. And so a lot of my work is meeting face to face and, and having clients and, and working in a preschool. And with this whole quarantine, I've been unable to do that. And so it, it's been instead of, you know, having a live in-person session with all of my students, it's now like a music enrichment video that I have to edit and record and send off. And, you know, hopefully that the parents get to see it and show it to their children. So it feels like I'm really disconnected from my, my work in some ways. So that was like a big transition. But you still get to work some? Uh, some, yeah. It's, uh, I've, I'm keeping busy. Um, so I do like these music enrichment videos. I also work at a church and I'm helping them transition onto online content. So that's yeah, I been... just got out of virtual church with my family. <laughs> it's interesting to see them uh, slowly beefing up their production value because they had um, the first time last week was just sort of like it seemed somebody put their iPhone on a stand and just let it roll. But you were getting all of the like echo from the church. And this time they had like a multicam set up. They're like fading from shot to shot. You could tell that they're going direct into the soundboard with the microphones. And I was like, as a producer, I'm like, OK, good work. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I am still the one that's using my iPhone, but I did set up like another phone with a voice memo app, like right by the pastor who was talking. So I'm a little bit higher up there on some technology. And I hey, whatever gets a, it to the people, you know, of course. I mean, that's just the main part. It's staying connected with everybody, whether it's staying connected with my students, staying connected with the parish. Like, I guess I'm just taking a bit of a hard blow because I mean, for all those, you know, introvert, extrovert ambivert people out there i guess i'm an ambivert and as much as i enjoy my peace and quiet i do kind of you know turn to friends and people and social events to like recharge and it's just so different to have you know a different way of connecting and socializing with people now so would you say that you're someone who in pretty much every stage of your life have had friends yeah i would definitely say so like between i guess you're thinking what like elementary school versus high school versus college like I yeah, like whatever you've been doing are you someone who's always had friends have you always had like a close group of friends sort of wherever you've been always are you used to that yeah I'm, I'm definitely used to it because I'm not used to that at all I have this sort of through the music scene these are the first long-term friends I've really had besides one or two people in high school because I moved around a lot I went to I think the final count after college was eight different schools oh my gosh and so this has been somewhat familiar for me just sort of sitting around the house and actually those um a shout out to our friend Mike Perlmutter these uh, you know the, the the host with the most even without a place to host <laughs> in has been uh streaming yeah. these jackbox games and so even that little bit of chatter is more than I had when I was growing up, you know, I mean, besides maybe uh, I got into some of the like Xbox live games in middle school. And sometimes we'd go on those voice chats. It's like, I do feel strangely like I'm in middle school again, not going out, just sitting in the house, <laughs> being told what to do by my mom much more than usual. And oh, no. <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. 
It's been half like a vacation, half like a time warp, and half like the end of the world. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Um, I guess Boston, that makes three halves, but, you know. It's third. It's all third. Well, no, it's more. It's probably definitely more like in halves because everything is just overwhelming and so much right now. Yeah, so. it does feel like three halves of a life, doesn't it? <laughs> definitely. And also simultaneously like none at all. Yeah, just like I thrive on having purpose and, and doing things and making plans. And so like that first week, I just like delve straight into editing or recording or you know whatever and then I, I was so into it that I actually didn't eat for like 12 hours I was like when you get in the zone sometimes that happens I've been the same way with a lot of things yeah I think that the people I've talked to, including, you know, just my own personal experience, the people who found something to be productive with have been able to keep from going quite as insane as the memes and Internet posts from others would have suggested that we should be. Yes, definitely. I think once you find purpose, I mean, even if it's just making a to do list of things that you want to do for the day, like, I don't know, like go for it, go outside, like go for a bike ride. I've been trying to do that. I've been doing like some online like yoga Pilates class. Classes. I, I literally made a to-do list and I think I posted it on social media, but like do puzzles and like watch movies and catch up on TV shows, like stuff that I usually don't have time to do in my five part-time job, normal life. I'm able to find time to do now. Yeah. So, for me, that's been playing a, a new video game at the time that it's relevant <laughs> with this animal crossing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm like, too. I never, I haven't gotten to do that since sometime in high school, probably. Oh, you know, I never sit down and play games. Like I have like weird spurts where I play it for like a really long period of time and then real life swoops back in and I can't really do it the same way anymore but what's really cool about this Animal Crossing stuff is like I was just on a Discord chat with friends and we were interacting in the game and then talking in person and catching up and it was just really it's a really great platform at this time to stay connected with people which I really enjoy <laughs> yeah it came at the right time it really did and also as far as like your you know between Devin and I's projects and this podcast and stuff I mean you were still working as of a couple of days ago right like this is I believe my sixth or seventh day now because let's see the last day I worked was last Friday so however many days that makes today <laughs> I believe I believe that would make today the seventh or the eighth I don't know seventh or eighth I, I can't count once I dropped out of engineering school, I gave up on math forever. Oh, wow. <laughs> I actually like math, but I'm trying not to focus too much on the actual days. Like, I think the last time I was in work was March 12th. And now it's more closer to the end of March. So I think I'm probably gearing up on two weeks now without going to work. And that's... Um, <laughs> It's, it's something. It's definitely something. You're someone who uh, comes across to me as you appreciate being in the same room as people you care about. I, I do. I mean, I, I, I love other people's presence. I mean, now I'm home with my entire family. So, I mean, we're all starting to get on each other's nerves probably just a little bit. But um, that'll, that'll you know, happen. It's, it's nice to have my brother home and it's nice to see my mom and my dad a lot. Like we've been running around so much over the last like couple months that it's nice to all sit down and eat dinner together, which is something that I feel like we've been taking for granted. So, um, 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've got, I, well, for one, I mean, it's feeling a little better now, but I know when everybody was freaking out and hoarding stuff, there was a bit of fear of whether everybody was going to have food and toilet paper and stuff. And it's that seemed to calm down a little bit now, especially because people are getting their deliveries online for a big part. Oh, yeah. But I've definitely been feeling, because my older brother came back for a doctor's appointment just before everything got shut down. So he's mm-hmm. been sort of stuck here because um, his girlfriend's family upstate is like, eh, maybe make sure you don't get sick down there first and then he can pop back up here. So he's been stuck here longer than expected. So we've been oh, wow. you know, sharing the top floor of the, the house that we rent. Well, really that my parents rent. I don't help. <laughs> I, sh- I wish I could. But, uh, you know, that we've been sharing that all together. You know, everybody's an adult now. I mean, my little brother's still kind of a kid, but he isn't technically, a, you know, he'd be tried as an adult if he were arrested for a crime. So, oh. you know, we're living with five adults in this house. And uh, my grandma moved out so that she wouldn't be staying with someone. My mom's a nurse, so she's still going in and out of the hospital. So, you know, wow. definitely better that she's with people who aren't working. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's... um. You know, just last night we had a fire outside and sat and chatted. It was me and my brothers and my my older brother's friend who who came and sat a good, you know, six feet away from us all <laughs> in the backyard. Oh and, and uh, it, you know, it's it's funny because one, one big thing is I'm I'm very different from my family as far as sort of political beliefs and social beliefs. And then, you know, it, there, there's so, something so funny about the calm fireside, chill, hangout turning into like this yelling political discussion at like 11 p.m. That's just very uh, indicative of the idea of being sort of quarantined to the same house. Not quite quarantined, but, you know, the colloquial word that we're all using for what we're collectively engaged in right now. (laughs) Sorry, uh, I was... We're having dinner downstairs. Whoopsies. Sorry. That's okay. I can cut around all kinds of stuff. You got to see how meticulously I cut this podcast. I mean, literally into tiny little pieces where every little awkward silence, every um, every, you know, I really make myself and my guests sound like geniuses, I promise. (laughs) I'm trying to pay attention to how I'm talking and making sure I don't say um as much because I feel like I definitely do. No, you're good. You're you're cool. you're a good talker cool, cool, anyway. Cool. Most of the musicians that I've chatted with are are just fine. <laughs> what I found though was like getting up in front of the camera and you know like introducing myself on camera or like doing a live stream and like interacting with my audience via live stream. It's a totally different skill. Like I I don't think I've seen you do as many. Have you done any live streams yet? I did the one on the night that I was supposed to play in Manhattan. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because that's right. the promoter asked me to. But I could see, I mean, that was the first day that everyone was starting to do the live streams and everyone was doing them at once. And people I know who their sort of only method of income is playing shows and they were posting their Venmo and they seemed like they kind of needed it a bit more than I do. So I've sort of just tried not to block up the traffic of that and just let the people who really need that, you know, people who have to pay their own rent and such. I've been letting them do the live streams and I've just been focusing on the podcast and editing music and stuff because as much as I like performing, I don't think I've really touched a guitar since probably since that live stream. And I've been feeling pretty good about it because it's the first time I've had an excuse to have a vacation from it. I mean, I love it to death. Of course, it's my passion. But, yeah, you know, to, it's been nice to not have to feel pressured to be doing something, to be performing every night, you know, because I love it. But then also when you do feel like you need a break, sometimes there's this FOMO and almost guilt that you're not working as hard as you should be. So I've been letting the sort of sort of the two things I've been letting myself have a vacation and I've been letting the people who really need the the Venmo traffic 
get it. Of course. I, I, I definitely see that. Like, totally get that. Also, like, not having... To, like, I, I've picked up the guitar a little bit, and I did one live stream last week. But the other thing, too, is as a person that needs... Like, part of her job has to sing six out of the seven days a week. My vocal health, like, I'm actually, like, keeping that in mind and thinking oh, wait, like, I don't have to sing all the time. And I feel like this probably will help, like, not feeling run down and making sure that my my vocal health is in check and making sure I'm using the proper technique and stuff too. So my, I might do like one this week with an electric guitar and I did post the NPR Tiny Desk Contest video. So I'm, I'm doing some stuff, but like you're saying, I... I'd much rather keep it for the people that that really need it for like Venmo purposes. Yeah. Plus, I just kind of hate the way I sound on a camera phone. You know, something about the lack of atmosphere, the the often clipping microphone just never been for me. (laughs) But you have the tech like I'm sure you could probably figure out a way to like not have that or like maybe like playing your amp and then being able to adjust I'm, I'm not a sound no, that's person. That's true. You're, you're right. You're right. There's person. things I could do, but I also hate playing in my house with the other people living here. It's just, it's a tiny, that's not a tiny house, but it's, you know, very close quarters, close quarters. and very thin walls. Yeah. That makes sense. It totally makes sense. But I'm certainly excited to get back to it once everything comes back. And I'm sure give me another week of not performing. And I'm, I'm probably going to start clawing at the walls a little more than I am now. <laughs> oh, boy. You know what it was also is that I was ramping up what I was doing quite a lot because I was trying to get people to come to my show in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And before I, you know, before this was classified as a pandemic and taken that seriously, I was like, oh, good. Now people are afraid they're going to catch this virus. And so now I have to work doubly hard to get people to go. And then, you know, I mean, obviously in the days leading right up to it, it became more apparent that it was irresponsible to play at all. But before that, I was getting incredibly stressed trying to play at three open mics in the city a week. And it's hard to get all the way out there and, you know, to get friends together to come. So I'm not going by myself and walking through the streets at night by myself. And so I definitely I was definitely close to a burnout just about before this. I was considering going to visit my friend in Nebraska after my show. I was considering a bunch of things, you know, but of course, everybody's plans got completely turned on their heads. Yeah. So, but I really just wanted to check in with my friends and make sure everybody's doing okay. One, for the sake of, you know, checking in and two, to share with everybody. And because I feel like a lot of people are in the same position right now. And so maybe hearing what my friends have to say will make someone out there feel a little better. Of course. I think it's an awesome idea. Thank you for calling me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for uh, coming on. I, I hope you stay safe and stay sane. And I'm sure I'll see you in the Jackbox Discord very soon. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Next, I talked to my friend Sam and Holden. They are two brothers who live like 15 minutes away from me. (laughs) They're both singer-songwriters. I met Sam at my favorite open mic night, and he introduced me to his brother Holden. And now every once in a while, the three of us play in a band performing Holden songs. Um, We talked about teaching and taking music lessons from home. We talked about the difficulty of Holden's senior year of college being cut short by the virus. And we talked about making the best of being stuck together indoors with your family for a long time. I will add that this call was a unique challenge to edit because they were on speakerphone. And so there's a little bit of dropped audio. So sort of you can hear the beginning of some words, but not the ends or whatever. But I listened to it and I made sure you can pretty much understand everything everyone's saying. So here's my chat with Sam and Holden Miller. Hi, if it isn't my brothers from another mother, how are you guys? Pretty well, how are you? 
I'm okay, you know, uh, all things considered. Are you already recording? I am, but I can edit anything out, so. Okay, sounds good. Can you good. hear me eating? Maybe, but also I, I cut everything in between the uh, speaking, right. so I'm gonna keep- you can eat in the background and you'll be probably fine. He's probably not going to contribute much anyway, so. Okay. So it's kind of villagey around there. You guys see a lot of people out and about. Well, do you guys go out at all yourselves, or have you guys been mostly sticking to the house? Um, I'm not an asshole. Can I say that? Yeah, you can say you can say curses. <laughs> I've been out a little bit. I, I've played tennis with another kid, which is more than six feet apart because we're standing on the other sides of the net. But I just go play tennis and come back. I'm sure you're good with tennis. That's but that's a good thing though because um, you know, I've been asking people sort of how they've been keeping busy since a lot of people can't work, and I know that your semester was cut short at school. So yeah, that was tough. Um, but and and tennis isn't a sport play, but it seems to be the best way to social distance and get exercise for me you're not particularly good at it i'm okay i mean i I never like really played growing up so we kind of just try and rally back and forth but i like sports to exercise rather than like running on a treadmill or an elliptical so you are preaching to the choir the only time i've ever maintained a very good shape was when i was wrestling in high school otherwise it's been an absolute chore for me because i just can't stand the sort of objectiveless repetitive exercise but i've been doing some at home you know, finding my old weights and going in the backyard. And I almost pulled basically all of the muscles from my crotch down to my feet (laughs) from doing these like wide squats. So this is definitely a strange time for me. So I know that Sam's been keeping busy. You, Sam, it's hard to, I don't know. I don't want to know if I want to dress you in the third person because I'm talking to both of you, but just to make sure you know who I'm talking about. I know Sam's been playing uh, some games, doing the Discord thing, and and, uh, I've never done the whole Discord thing until now, but it seems like a nice way to keep in contact with people. Have you been uh, feeling a little bit less of this sort of social distancing pressure from being able to do that? So honestly, like I am very content. Like this is being able to do what I normally do and not feel guilty about it is quite nice. And it feels horrible to say. No, I've been getting positive things from people People who are feeling like this is a bit of a almost a vacation or an excuse not to be f- feeling the pressure to be going out and doing stuff all the time. But um, I'm working a little bit. I'd like to be working more. Were you teaching virtual lessons? I am teaching virtual lessons. Yeah, that's good. One of the teachers quit because she's like, I'm 64 years old. I don't need the money, and I'm not trying to deal with out of tune guitars that I can't tune. <laughs> that's really funny. So, um, well, if you don't mind talking about it, Holden. With the uh, semester ending, obviously that sucks major, major ass. And uh, I know you were going to Bucknell's in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Do you have close friends who you can keep in contact with who you might be able to see after this is all over? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. People are scattered around, but a lot of people are in the Northeast. I've got a few friends on Long Island, but I also am super close with my friends from high school. So they're all around here. So when this blows over, I'll be happy to spend time with them and that they should be home at that point too. It's good. It's nice. Cause I know a lot of schools are doing the, the online classes doing zoom or whatever. I have been doing zoom classes and they're not great. I want to, I want to like add that. I feel like at least for me, like I would have just failed. Like I just am not the kind of person that would be able to pay attention or focus or learn from an online class. Why? Well, I, I, I can't, I can't pay attention it's, it's it's really hard, especially like like in class. Like the only thing you can do is like you can't have your phone out, you can't have your laptop out, and you just kind of engage with the professor. But now your laptop is has to be out. Yeah. So and and like they can't see you if you're using your phone as much as I hate to say it, but like <laughs> yeah, gonna 
I'm going to get distracted by my phone. I can't, and I can't stay engaged like that. It's like, are, you, are there any, like, setting. were you in any, like, lecture-sized classes? Uh, I guess, like, I'm only, no. the people I talk to are five towns, and all no. our classes are 15 to Yeah, no, all my classes are, ta- all my classes are tiny. Uh, the, what has been going well is my virtual guitar lessons. Yeah. Which is, which is pretty cool. Like, I've had, I've had two of those, and I, I thought that was going to be the hardest. Teaching or learning? Learning, learning. I have to have to take uh, uh, an instrument lesson for my my major. Can you explain to me because I feel like I am struggling mightily to teach over the virtual lessons. Well, I think I think one thing is it's like you're teaching people at much lower levels, right? Yeah, I'm teaching. Yeah. Um, I think it's easier to communicate with someone who understands music theory and and has a basic understanding of the guitar. So plus plus it's a one on one lesson. So like I have to be engaged. I can't be on my phone. And if it, with with the lessons that are like having like fifteen people or ten people in it, like it's just weird. Like trying to have like a, a dialogue between the professor and the students. Yeah, I imagine that technology is not, as great as it is. There's delays, and some people might have a crappy webcam microphone or whatever, and not really be able to get their sound really communicated across. That is the interesting thing about the the virtual guitar lesson. Is the one drawback is that because of delays, like you can't like I, if I'm learning uh, my modes or like whatever scales he's teaching me, and like I, I want to like work on soloing, I can't have my guitar teacher lay down an, an instrumental because of the delay. Yeah, that's tough. There's definitely limitations to that. But I want to talk more on the like psyche side and the sort of how, because I really want to know how this is affecting people. And um, I know it sucks to talk about but I feel like a lot of people who are in your position with the senior year thing, and I, I know a lot of people who are, um, or know of a lot of people who are high school students, for instance, and I know high school often gets romanticized even more than college, especially with like prom and everything. And it's weird because you know, going into something like high school and going into college, you know that you're probably not going to care about or interact with most of the people that you constantly interact with. But you feel like that gets to have a sort of natural end. You get to say the goodbyes and, you know, the, oh, yeah, we'll stay in touch and and your Facebook friends for four years and then you don't ever have any reason to talk to them until you delete them or whatever. But it's there's something dehumanizing, I would think, about sort of being just cut off right away. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I guess you could say dehumanizing. I think the, the weirdest thing about it is like I think if I was at graduation like it was normally supposed to play out or like whatever it was, the last this or the last that, like I was bowling every Thursday in a league and like that was a, something that was big amongst my friends. And I know like the last bowling night would have been super emotional and the last party, whatever, anything stupid like that, where it's the last of something, I think it would have been super emotional. But I think like because it got cut off so abruptly, like the emotion is almost removed. Like I'm still even, I don't know, three weeks later from when I got that email, I'm still having a hard time internalizing it all. Like it just doesn't, it either doesn't feel real or it's like hard to grasp those feelings and emotions when you're sitting at home and and not actually at the place that you were removed from. Yeah, I bet. But at least it's, uh, you know, at least you guys have each other, right? That's not so bad being locked up with your brother when you get along. Yeah. When, when, we, get, when we get along, when we get along, it, 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 there's definitely a threshold. Not that, not that we don't get along. It's just like I definitely have a much smaller capacity for social interaction than he does. Yeah, it's interesting because like I'm very different than my brothers in a lot of ways. And I can sort of um, compartmentalize the ways that I hang out with them and that I know I'll get along and that I know everybody will have a good time. But it seems like you two, I mean, you guys are playing those uh, quarantine covers together and 
it seems like there's so much overlap with your guys's interests and your guys's ability to sit down and work together. Yeah, so I think I think ideally we would be writing together and maybe recording a little more and 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 working on those more productive things that may help us more with our future. It's nice that we're doing these covers and and I'm glad we've stayed with it. But I, I also think that the diff Sam and I, I also get shit together. I think I think Sam and I are also pretty different people but i think it's more like i think quarantine narrows us down to the things we both like like music and video games so like we're able like we we were on discord the other night playing jackbox jackbox games super late into the night yeah i've been i've been at that with some people different groups of people yeah yeah which is which is awesome so i think like yeah there's a lot of differences we have and and some of that has to do with you know how we socialize and how we like to spend our free time, but when free time is confined to just our house, it, it kind of does come down to the, the same things for us. A lot like growing up before you guys could go off on your own? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's nice. I'm really glad you two have each other. How's uh, how's mom and dad taking it? I think they're glad to have us all here as a family spending time together. And my mom is definitely reaping the benefits of Sam and I playing music together. Yeah, she eats it up. She adores you guys. Yes. Um, but I also think, you know, it's just obviously super stressful for them and anxiety can be high. And so that's definitely a tough part of it. But I think they're they're holding up OK. It's good. It's good to hear that, you know, nobody's really at each other's throats or anything. Because, you know, I talk to some people and things in their houses get a little stressful when everybody's sort of shoved together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least not yet. But I, there's, there's, there's definitely times that we start to go at each other's throats. But I think we're all pretty cool quick to forgive that's really nice to hear i'm glad you guys are keeping in good spirits and keeping busy and working together on some stuff and you know hopefully this will all be over soon and we can get the band back together <laughs> exactly well i think we got a good chunk of audio how you guys feel i'm already checked out <laughs> <laughs> all right sam i love the honesty always that's one of the best things about you all right well you know stay safe and stay sane and i'm sure i'll see you sooner than sooner than later <laughs> Yeah, thanks for calling in, and stay well, you too. Peace. Okay. Last but not least, the final phone call of the bunch was with my friend, New York City comedian Brittany Brave. This conversation was like a breath of fresh air for me because Brittany is one of those people you can't help but shoot the shit with. She's just so fun to talk to, and she makes everything interesting. But don't worry, I promise it's all relevant to the topic at hand. You know, we talked about the parallels between the music and stand-up comedy world, and how the two have changed when we have to perform them exclusively online. We talked about why she decided to hunker down in Florida with her parents for the remainder of this virus instead of hanging around New York City. It's a good chat. So here is my conversation with Brittany Brave. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Cool. Yes, I can. Uh uh, you'd think after like eight calls, I'd have felt more confident that everything was working, but I'm always like double, triple check. <laughs> Brittany Brave, how are you? I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm not too stir crazy yet, but you caught me right before my bedtime feels like feels like defeat now. Let's put it that way. Bedtime just feels <laughs> like it feels like, you know, I have all the time in the world and I'm still choosing to put myself to sleep at a reasonable hour. What weakness is this? Yeah, the, what this is some this is signifying some deep seated bullshit. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, it's like 
I say to everybody, I'm like, I'm still that bitch that's finding a way to like cancel plans even during social distancing. <laughs> I'm like, I can't make it. And they're like, what? I'm like, I just, I can't make it. You know, we make uh, it to what? <laughs> We're not doing anything. It will, but whatever it is, even if you have an idea for it, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to make it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Uh, so you, um, yeah. you're a Manhattan. Well, do you live in Manhattan or do you live outside Manhattan? I don't. I don't. I, I thought, see that I'm insulted, Frankie. I'm not, I'm not snobby like those Manhattanites. No, I'm kidding. Um, I live, I live all the way out in Queens. So I usually, I live in Astoria. I'm in Miami now, which is home for me, but yeah, I'm in Manhattan frequently, but I'm down to earth. So I live in Queens <laughs> with the real salt of the earth folk. Oh yeah. Those, those, those hardworking Greek men and women and, <laughs> All of those struggling actors and comedians, I just get, you know, I just get in there. Yeah, I was talking to my, my, my uh, it sounds childish to say, but I, I stand by it. My best friend who is in, in Queens and she's mm-hmm. a nanny in Manhattan. And she, uh, the biggest thing that she was so happy she doesn't have to do anymore is take the subways and the buses to get to work. Cause now she's living in the apartment with the kids she nannies so that she can still go to like virtual school with him and make sure he doesn't decide to go to virtual school in his pajamas or anything. Oh geez. That's, I mean, that's really living the dream. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, we don't have to worry about canceling plans. We don't need to venture onto public transportation. That's why when people kind of go like batshit stir crazy during all of this, I'm like, this is what you've been waiting for. (laughs) This is the reason you've been canceling plans for months. Like you get to actually stay home with no repercussions. It's your job to not do shit. You know, it's funny because I've, you know, I've been playing music for a good five years now, maybe longer, but I don't remember the last time that I stayed home without either going to play somewhere or going to see somebody else play or going to see somebody else do something, whatever, you know, somebody's art show, somebody's comedy show, wink, wink. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I without feeling who. guilty <laughs> for staying home, yes. you know, cause like, yeah. I, I don't have anywhere else I could possibly be. So this is probably the first completely able to let go of anything, but like labor of love sort of personal projects that I've had since like high school. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I've, I've been doing a lot of that too. Like, it's like, I've really been like trying to look at the, the so-called downtime and not having live shows to perform on and so, so on and so forth. As I'm like, well, now you really, you've got like no excuse now. You really have all the time and agency in the world to like write that terrible screenplay. And, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to like reteach myself the ukulele. I'm Ooh. trying to like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. That's how, you know, I, whenever my mental wellness is getting progressively worse it started with like stand-up comedy is what i tried to do <laughs> and then and then and then after that i was like maybe slam poetry and now we're in a government issued quarantine for a global pandemic and i'm like you know what i say fuck it let's learn the ukulele <laughs> like you know <laughs> that is so that is a lot of people's sort of um transitional period instrument yeah yeah, it is. Well, I just feel like it's it's already tinier, so it's a little bit more manageable than a guitar. And I, so like you know, you as a musician, like I look up to you guys so much, and I worked in music for so many years too, just because it's something I was never able to like wrap my head around. Like I, I was a dancer, I was an actress, I loved comedy, but music, I never could really fully hold a tune or play an instrument. So 
I, I'm hoping I can come out of this uh, uh, somewhat apt. Yeah, well, every musician wants you to think that it's much harder than it is, that we're doing some kind of black magic. But nope, you're going to you're going to get good at that ukulele and you're going to come out of this and you're going to get every musician you've ever met. and You're going to be like, you are a poser. <laughs> Well, listen, I worked in the music business for six years, so I already did that. That's fair. And that's, with, that's, that's, what, that's what the clients I dated and the ones I didn't. But that's a conversation for another time, you know. Um, <laughs> that's for a, a, a real episode. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Like a full episode. We'll need a couple hours for that one. Um, no, I used to tell, I used to tell my clients because when I was really sick of working in music and ready to hop over to comedy, I used to tell them like, man, you just have some audacity putting a melody behind your bullshit. <laughs> Like, be like us comedians and just raw dog it. Just get up there and talk about it. You know? Yeah, no, I, I, that's the thing. I, everybody always says that comedians wish they could be musicians because you can just play the hits and musicians wish they could be comedians because you can just, you know, well, not that you just roll it off the top of the dome. Of course, there's practice, but it's like mm-hmm. these people probably haven't heard what I'm about to say. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely things to take away from both. Um, I think people look at stand up comedy, though. Yeah. Like how you said, you make up a, you make a really good point that like I think less ideal audience members look at stand-up comedy and they don't have a respect for it sometimes because yeah you're right at surface level it can just look like someone grabbing a mic and bullshitting like it can't do it right like you know and if you do it right yeah or and you know there is a lot of bad stand-up comedy which is a lot of unprepared unfunny people that kind of think they're hitting a stride but they're not that self-aware so I, I do understand with my craft how it can be easy to be like well that's easy right i'll just i'll just grab the mic and and riff but yeah so after this i'll be a professional ukulele player of course you know not to brag so do uh to to bring it back to the pandemic now and since you've mentioned stand-up mm. and everything of course i've been seeing the things you're up to but for the people listening who aren't me how have you been keeping in touch with your passion and career despite not being able to be in any public gatherings um i it's I, i've become a cam girl where i <laughs> keep all my clothes on and i just tell jokes um it's really there's a burgeoning market for christian dads they love it um <laughs> no i'm kidding Um, no, I, it's, it's tough. Like, I don't even know if I can make a joke about that. Like the other day, I really had a moment where I got like really upset and frustrated because I was like, I I really miss being on stage. It's, it's hard. It's not only like a monetary loss. It's like an existential crisis, you know? Of course. So it's, I'm trying to use this time to edit, to transcribe sets, to do all the things that I say I don't have time for because of my show schedule while I'm in New York. I also think it's a really important time for comedians to get savvy with how to be funny on the internet and how to find alternate revenue streams, you know, because the thing is about both of our industries, music and comedy, they are relatively non-essential. That doesn't mean unimportant. They're just non-essential. They're non-infrastructural. That's for sure. Exactly. That as well too. So when things like this happen, it, this is why there's this disarray and this total falling out. But I think it's a good lesson for all of us to figure out other new ways to be funny, whether that's through our writing or our videos or our social media or our virtual comedy shows and stuff. And it's kind of like a weird survival prepare the artist for the worst. You know, that in the event the live aspect of our industries collapse in 10, 20 years, you know, we're now like, well, we know what to do in this setting. So, you know, I try, I'm trying, it's, it's a 
lot of virtual comedy shows. It's just, it's a lot. And it's just learning that we all live in poorly decorated basements. <laughs> and, you know, we're, and, and we have bad spotty Wi Fi, but we're making it work. I was just about to say, we've all learned how uh, truly poor the internet connection we have is for something like live streaming True. when you're when you're speaking and you suddenly freeze and you think people are seeing you and then everyone's in the chat like where'd she go where'd she go yeah it's so it's crazy and i i always used to make jokes about that like whenever individuals who were not famous or doing something productive would just go live on instagram like they were just out with their friends on a friday night i was like you assholes like just stop it you know what i mean <laughs> my favorite brand of that is the person who just puts on some music on their phone and then just just mouths along to it for 10 20 minutes and then hangs up <laughs> yeah like you were not loved enough as a child i think like if you do that like if you have the tendency to do that like i agree like it's i've you know or the people who just go live and i'm like you're not doing anything groundbreaking bruh like you're you're making breakfast just got some ice cream and some coffee i'm walking through port jefferson village well, that's right. a long island thing but that's always yeah. the thing it's always whatever village that they don't live in it's just not the town that's theirs, so it's interesting. Yeah, that's what it's, it's like long distance travel for them. Yeah, it's like really venturing out of their comfort zone. Yeah, but it's it's funny because like the virtual comedy shows that I've been hosting, like they made me more nervous than my live shows. Like, as you know, I run a live show at Rockwood Music Hall and that now is pretty systematic. It gets crazier some months over others. But like now trying to like, Figure out the intricacies of Instagram and get really savvy when you've got multiple comedians you want to patch in. And not being able to look in anyone's eyes while you do it. Yeah. It's a camera. Yeah. Well, I have like a far, I have a very hard rule that I'm not doing traditional stand up on any of these shows. I'm not going to do it because it's. Well, how could you? How could you? It's just inherently an art form that needs call and response. So, but so, you know, whenever I've had these shows, I'm like, hey, listen, I'll, I'll come up with a a funny list or I'll write something for this or, or we could just have a really funny engaging conversation, but I'm not going to subject myself to more suicidal torture where <laughs> I just tell jokes into the internet ether. You know, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Well, your, your virtual, uh, not virtual, your improvised tarot show really translates pretty well to that digital space because you know, all you really need are the questions and the cards and other than not being able to directly hear the laughter, it seems like that format's pretty well built for not necessarily having an audience in front of you. Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, it's actually, if anything has come out of this pandemic and virtual blitz of shows is learning that I actually think that show works better digitally. It's just a little like ahead of its time and it, and it allows us to be even more interactive when people can actually live comment and submit questions and stuff. So yeah, because you can see them beforehand is a big part of it too, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, we see some of the questions beforehand and then we can ask people follow-up questions in the moment and it's interactive you never know what cards we're going to pull people don't know what questions are going to be asked as opposed to just the stand-up itself is just a rough format it, it doesn't people think it's the kind of thing that works anywhere and that's why you end up seeing things like hey uh there's a stand-up comedy show in the back of this dentist office wild and, <laughs> and you're like just because you can't 
doesn't mean you should, guys. That's it. They call it something like smiling with teeth or something. Something, yeah, like quirky, yeah. <laughs> laughing gas, that's the one. Laughing gas, right. There you go. There you go. That's crazy. That's creative, yeah. I didn't even realize I, like half the shows in Brooklyn that were happening until this pandemic when people were announcing, like, we regret to inform you that synchronized swimming, the comedy show at Two Boots Pizzeria is canceled this month. <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh. Synchronized swimming. That's so yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're um, or know, synchronized grinning. Some always a bad pun. Always a bad pun. Always a bad pun. Yeah. Even sometimes I think of my show with rock candy, and I'm like, oh God, what are you, Brittany? Is I like that one though. Yeah. That feels like it feels branded. It feels it feels like a corporate person came up with it, and you okayed it. Yeah, and that is me because I used to work in corporate for six years. So this the corporate person in my head was like, Brittany, I've got it. Rock candy a sweet novelty at a music venue and then the comedian in me was like let's do it it's those two competing forces in my brain well i can't wait for that to come back well, I, I can't wait for society to come back of course <laughs> yeah for real but yeah. the um so what made you go to miami i know you've got your your very famous mom there She's so famous. She actually, it's getting to her head a little bit. The other day she said, I'm the celebrity in this equation. <laughs> and I said, okay. And I just have to fall back on that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I grew up in Miami. My mom and dad are here. And, you know, New York City was, it was it's just sad right now. Like even, you know, Queens, it's like a little desolate a little creepy and dangerous and dangerous too. And you know, you could, you could catch this brand new STD coronavirus wherever <laughs> you go. And yeah. So I just, it was kind of an impulse buy and it was a, a really easy $30 to part ways with. And it's was it I actually just, a $30 well, plane ticket. 34. Oh my God. 34 one way ticket on orbits. Shout out orbits.com. I'm available for sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> Were people uh, wearing masks and everything. And was it like a full plane. Everyone was wearing masks. I was a late adopter to the panic with coronavirus. I really was. And I was like late adopter to the mask and gloves thing. Like for the longest time, I was like, nah, nah, I'm, I'm going to be right. Like what? This is crazy. People are freaking out. But it was like so uh, desolate and legit creepy at LaGuardia that like if you didn't have a glove and mask, like you looked like the weirdo. Like, like the guy who doesn't have a smartphone. Literally like the guy who's yeah, exactly. Yeah. The guy who still has like a Motorola flip. They're like, have you not been reading the news? Do you not know that's not good for you? Yeah, it was like six people on my flight. And like the flight attendants didn't even come near anybody. It was really, really, really weird. It's got like a t-shirt gun to launch the peanuts with. Literally, yeah. Yeah. And like even still like they're in like covered in Purell. It's really, it's interesting. But then I'm now, you know, I'm here in Miami now and the vibe here is just different. Yeah, I talked to my friend who's in West Palm and uh, yeah. she said that even though people are definitely acting different, it's not nearly as stressed and like kick your neighbor off a cliff if you hear him cough like New York is right now. Yeah, no, it's not at all. And I also think what partially helps that in Florida is that like, it's just a little more spread out. Whereas in New York, it's just not everyone's literally on top of each other. So that doesn't help with anyone's anxiety. And it makes social distancing a lot harder. But also like Florida and California, like if you go anywhere that's too sunny, people are just dehydrated. Like they just don't care. <laughs> like, you know, what I mean? like I landed in Miami and some guy was like, hola, hello. And I was like, there's a pandemic. And he's like, it's OK. Give me a kiss. You know, right. You know, and I, and he's like, pesos. And I was like, no, 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 we're six feet, man. We can't pesos. Like, no, you know, it's it's definitely a different vibe. It's not as bad as New York, for sure. How are you feeling about everything? Is it, since you've gone to Miami, feeling a little bit less 
of that stress and that sort of apocalyptic fear yeah i think separating myself from new york my head is in a better mental state i i like everyone else am mostly just concerned for what this time away from like normal life and relationships and my comedy career and work is gonna do for my mental health right like or for my momentum like I'm a little concerned for when we're going to be able to jump back in to real life and how that's going to be and how it's going to be to pick up slack. Right. Yeah, Because my fear is it's going to be really slow going. It would be one thing if it was like tomorrow or whatever, you know, say six months from now, they just snap their fingers and are like, okay, back to normal. I feel like we could all just jump right into it. But especially when things get kick back into gear my fear is it's going to be really hard to get people out to stuff because they're going to be like well they say it's safe but like is it really safe and then like on top of the people who are just lazy and they say yeah yeah no i'll totally come to one of your shows one of these days it's going to be like yeah well i don't want to die so yeah i think that's a valid concern and then i've also had like the opposite end of the fear too that it's like there's so many conflicting stories about whether like new york's going to be locked down for two weeks or upwards of 18 months and like is the rent freeze happening is it not like i i also fear that like we're going to get the slightest glimpse of a like hey it might be okay to go out and then people who are inherently animals are going to rush so far back into light like what if we rush back into it too quickly like what if the opposite it happens and then it's like oh no we just reverted it's like relapsing after the flu literally but when you think you're better yeah either one is pretty rough either and they're both very possible yeah it's like and i i just don't know it really is like uncertain it's like walking in a haunted house in complete darkness where we're all just kind of taking a step and we're like okay we know this will end eventually but when and how and is someone gonna grope me <laughs> like what god you know god i wish so what a time to be alive yeah any any you human know? contact now we're not, now they're not allowed to even hug our family i know i'll take it at this point really I'm trying to think if there's any more burning questions. I've asked a lot of people the same things. That's all. And you're very, um, you're very good at talking compared to some of my just friends. Thank you. Some might say I'm too good at talking (laughs) and I I should shut the fuck up. No, I'm a fan. You know, I'm a fan. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I guess that's mostly everything. I guess that's pretty good. And that's a pretty good chunk of time. 20 minutes to edit, edit down. Yeah. I'm just going to say, well, thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. It's good to catch up with a friend and I'm glad to hear that you're in you seem like you're in good spirits and and you're being productive during all of this keeping productive that's what i think really the key is exactly that's the only way i'm not getting bored and going insane exactly so i think you know is focus on the art and and just that ongoing reminder that this too shall pass i think gandhi or beyonce or someone important said that so (laughs) someone important someone important well i hope you stay safe and i hope you stay sane and i hope you nurture karen's ego while not letting it uh get her head too heavy that it cracks her neck (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. Tonight she was overhearing jokes that I was submitting for a virtual show, and she was in between takes saying, "You see, I don't get that one. It didn't make me laugh." <laughs> always, always with the parents. They've always got an opinion. The reality check is so real. But it's because they care. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot for chatting, and uh, have a good one. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Well, that was the final call. 
of the group of calls I did. If that was interesting and this pandemic goes on for a really long time, then perhaps I might do another set. I guess you'll all have to let me know if you think that was entertaining. I personally thought that they were interesting calls. I hope that you guys got something out of them. And a big, big thank you to everybody who stayed to the end, who listened to the whole thing. Uh, It means a lot. I spent a lot of time editing this podcast, so I really, really appreciate everybody who's stuck around. I want to thank everybody who called in. Taylor Capo, Caitlin Houston, Laura Calandrino, Ronnie Gross Jr., Chris Steubenrau, Anna O'Rourke, Sam and Holden Miller, and Brittany Brave. You guys are all great. It was very nice to talk to all of you. Um, I'm going to include links to where you can find the entertainers I talked to and the work that they're doing. A lot of them have streaming and such where you can go and support them and help them make an income during this time. I probably won't link my friends who aren't entertainers because that would be weird, (laughs) but an extra thanks to them all anyway. You can find me at frankiematos.com, at frankiematos109 on Twitter and Instagram. I have a Facebook fan page. My EP Unglorious is on Spotify and Apple Music and wherever else music is streamed and digitally sold. The intro music to the podcast called Growing Up Slowly is from that EP, and so is the transitional and outro music as well which is titled Even the Breeze. Thanks for listening, and as I said to most of my friends, I know this pandemic is scary and difficult, so stay safe and stay sane.